This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. The after party. The after math. I don't, I don't know if parties really The that. hangover. The debate hangover. Nothing better than a Thursday morning post-debate. Mm. Final debate, by the way. So It's a beautiful day. Mm. It's over. Yes. Relax now. It's it's over. Now you just need to count the days. 19. 19 days. 19 days. But who's counting, really? Everybody. <laughs> oh, it's just, just ended already. I've already voted, Go so by. I'm done. You're done. Jeffrey, have you cast your ballot yet? Was that was oh. that due already? No. no. Oh, you got till okay. November twenty eighth. Wait a minute, the November eighth. That doesn't sound right. Well, Trump said the twenty eighth last week. So <laughs> what? What is it? I can't. Remember. I, I don't. I wouldn't go. I I just go with the eighth. So presidential candidate got it wrong. Well, his people probably did. No, he said it. I have the audio. Yeah, his somebody said it for oh, him, okay. and then okay. they said it was him. Okay, so yeah, it it's his the, mouth. It, it's the eighth. You're good, Jeff. Whew. Just don't forget. <laughs> I Man. thought they already called it for Hillary. Nope. nope. Didn't that? That wasn't a real thing? No. Not Saturday yet. Night Live did, but that was well, different. Well, the, the left-wing media and, you know, some of the pollsters that are... Doing math. Yeah. A lot of people. Looking at all kinds of different elements that... Uh, See, that's the biggest thing probably the – if you want to have a takeaway from last night is I don't know if either of them helped their case. Yeah. But Trump may have hurt his case. I don't know. Well, and it's so – it also, again, it depends on what – so I clicked through all the stations after and Fox News said he nailed it, killed it. Nailed it! Charles Krodheimer last night said he committed political suicide and he praised he him did. for it. Well, he did it. The, he he <laughs> – he said one or two lines that you just don't say. Yeah. Like, I, I'll, I'm going to leave everyone in suspense. On whether I will... Accept. Accept the outcome of the election. And that nasty woman. Yes. Not a good way to wrap up the debate. If, here's the interesting thing, if your goal is to actually lure wo- women into your um, party trap. Which he badly needs. He badly needs, but he doesn't seem to go after he, if he did anything last night, he shored up his base, which is pretty much the only thing he's done. But shore up a won't base won't help him. He no. needs to get more people and yeah. take away from Hillary Clinton, and they, he didn't do that. Didn't seem to do that. So maybe it wasn't his goal. Maybe his goal to is something try different. Try to win? No. Yeah. Maybe, right. Okay. Maybe his goal is to just shore up. He did thirty-eight percent of the Republican Party. So that he could carry them to a new network. He did launch what looked like a good Trump TV last night. A when, good version of Trump TV. When I mean, you mean his whole his, everything he said? No, no, no. Live streaming on Facebook with anchors and pundits. Oh, hashtag yeah. Trump TV. Yeah, we'll talk about it. That's ridiculous. It was a whole broadcast. I thought it was running up. for election. Or the future of his broadcast career. We'll talk about all this fun. Yeah. I've never believed that he actually wanted to be president. 
Never. Well, there was a conspiracy that he was working with the Clintons to make sure she got elected. And if that is the case, he nailed it. He's killing it. But who knows if that's that's just another conspiracy. Could be. Russian, I'm sure. Most Russian. most have been this, this cycle. The so. Russians got uh, – they were talked about – Quite a bit. Yeah. Who's the puppet? We'll get into all that fun. But uh, we got we got to get into that. I'll, uh, we'll be talking with Joe Cannon. Joe in the know, we call him. He's the, the one that will just walk us through what he thinks now. What does this mean now? The whole time shaking his head side to side. I think Joe will be more upset about the L.A. Dodgers. Yes. We'll get to that as well. It's also Suspenders Day. Mm. I noticed you've been sporting some suspenders uh, lately. Not true. Quit pulling on your suspenders. <laughs> it's also Information Overload Day. Information Overload. Wow. You get, another day, you another exact fitting song. Exactly. Look at that. That's great. By the way, 93 emails a day is the average is the average amount of emails that uh, the average person receives at work. One of the first reggae-centric songs we've had on the show. Very true. Well, there was the the Ernie Sesame Street oh. song, the Do the Duck. Oh, that was really... Do the Duck, little. Duck, Rubber Duck, Rubber Duck, Do the Duck. Um, I, don't, I don't believe that 93 emails is the average amount of emails people receive. Could be. I got to pick up my game. Yeah. Not everyone. My wife gets quite a bit at her job. I think the deal, I don't answer any of them. Well, you so just, if, yeah. Which you is don't why answer most, them. Most of the staff just goes, well... I emailed you both. I was just waiting for Matt to respond. And they're yeah. like, well, everyone's confused because there is no communication with Matt Townsend. Right. So that's the way you want to talk, talk to my people. Yeah, you have, what pe- I say. You talk, have people for that. I have people. And then they're always like, well, I thought we were your people. I'm like, exactly. So go talk to yourself. Go talk to each other. Can't do everything. Can't do anything, really. Um, we'll get to all that fun. But first to the headlines with Sadie Nielsen. Sadie, what's going on around the rest of the country? Donald Trump has been warning supporters that the election is rigged against him. And when asked during the final presidential debate by moderator Chris Wallace if he will accept the results on November 8th should he lose, he said he plans to keep people in suspense. I will look at it at the time, Trump said. I'm not looking at anything now, but I will look at it at the time. His running mate Mike Pence and daughter Ivanka Trump both said he will accept the results, but Trump didn't agree. A GOP strategist spent his Wednesday night insulting both Donald Trump and old men who sit in the park and feed squirrels. After the final presidential debate, Steve Schmidt, an advisor to John McCain's 2008 presidential campaign, told MSNBC's Brian Williams he found Trump's refusal to say if he will accept the results of the election a disqualifying moment. It's a moment of clear and present danger to our constitutional order and to the republic. It's unprecedented in the history of this country. Roger Ailes is no longer advising Donald Trump in the presidential race, according to both New York Magazine and Vanity Fair. Following his departure from Fox News, the former news mogul was reported to have begun advising his longtime friend Trump and on his Republican twist, quest for the White House, specifically focusing on his message for the three debate events. However, according to reports, Ailes' camp said Ailes learned that Trump couldn't focus and that advising him was a waste of time. And finally... Yes, this is another interesting thief story. Oh, I like those. Um, there was a thief in England who was caught on camera attempting to steal a Venetian blind by <laughs> sticking it down his pants and up through his sweater. It's, like, is, a, it's like a six-foot-long Venetian blind getting stuck in his <laughs> yeah, pants. Yeah, he, and he through, really yeah. stole this. And this it's is sticking really out his collar. Yeah, yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> Are so you serious? So surveillance footage picked up him up um, 
watching him take out this blind and he's in the <laughs> elevator and it's literally sticking up through his jacket. You yeah. can see it. Oh, yeah. He's like, got like a hoodie on and it's just coming up. And he's the... walking like with like a broken leg. Yeah. Like, obviously, there's something very wrong with that him. That would have made more sense if he put it down the leg. Oh, he didn't put it down no, the leg? No, it was just kind of down the back of his pants no, no, and then it... up his sweater yeah, yeah, yeah. and poked out the top and just walked out of the store. What? No one's going to notice that? No one noticed. <laughs> but the staff from the store followed the man out of the store to a nearby canal path where he dropped and damaged the blind before running off. <laughs> These kids nowadays. If you put it down your leg, it would it would have made yeah look something like a leg. But then no. you just act like I have a war injury. Yeah. And I have to wear a, a giant back brace that sticks way my up out of my sweatshirt. My back brace is driving me crazy. <laughs> All these kids. How old was this guy? Uh, he didn't look like a kid. He probably was mid-20s. <laughs> so he's obviously an interior decorator. Obviously. Right. See, this tells you that the economy's struggling. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. even the interior decorators can't afford their Venetian blinds. Struggling, man. I think this is where they got the old adage, uh, being caught with blinds in your pants. Yeah. Hmm. That was. Don't know if that's I remember when Grandma used to say that. <laughs> Old wise Grandma. Thank you, Sadie. Wow. I mean, it used to be that kids would like steal alcohol. Right. Now we're stealing window treatments. <laughs> <laughs> Eclectic. That's great. To great. start off with. Yeah. Last night. Mm-hmm. Polls after the debate on who won. Like you mean like web polls? Like there's a few here. Okay, yeah. But uh, CNN mm-hmm. they do the scientific poll. They poll a certain number of people. There's a margin of error, all that kind of stuff. Does, does, are you going to read the disclaimer? What do you mean? CNN has a disclaimer on their poll. Okay, read is, the poll, and I'll, then I'll tell you. The they just it, the result was fifty-two thirty-nine Clinton. They said this is a real poll, not one of those fake polls on. Every other website. Pretty much. You don't just log into CNN and hit yes or no. This is they a real actually, poll. They have people calling people. Right. They do it the traditional way, that way. Drudge, that's just to log yeah. in and click. Like I was, I'm looking at their poll right here. When I looked at it, it was 87-16 Trump. Well, I haven't voted yet. Oh, I th- okay. I'm going to vote. See if and you can then, vote. See if you can change the results here. Let's see. I. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, Trump is 86%, Clinton 13.99%. There you go. Breitbart. What do you think Breitbart was? I will bet Breitbart would even be more Trump than uh, Drudge. This morning. 92%. This morning I look at it. Clinton 54. Oh, wow. Trump 45. Really? Yeah. So I don't know if a bunch of Democrats got on Breitbart and you know skewed the results, but it should be the other way. They need to make their way to, to the uh, Drudge site. <clears throat> the hmm. other thing, last night uh, on, if you went to Donald Trump's Facebook page... During yes. pre-debate, during the debate, and after the debate, they had live coverage. They had a like a TV set. They had a host. They had pundits. They really? had all these people coming on to talk about the debate. They and it was on the uh, the YouTube channel that they have for Donald Trump. They had a uh, YouTube Live link. Yeah, and it was it said hashtag Trump TV. They had two hundred thousand <sighs> viewers. During wow. during the debate, it dipped to like between one twenty and one hundred seventy thousand. Yeah, and then after back up to two hundred thousand viewers as they talked about how Trump won the debate. Well, did he win the debate? Again, to win the debate, you would have to. This it seems like to win the debate, you'd want to you'd want to skew voters away from where they've been. Help yourself to you. And and put up arguments against your competitor 
to not kind of diminish their case for being president. Right. I'm trying to think of one example where he may have lured more uh, people that weren't already voting for him in. Some of the economic stuff they talked about early on. Yeah. Probably the Supreme Court is something that could could have brought some people in. Maybe abortion may have maybe brought— Except he totally got the whole concept of what the laws <laughs> in this country about abortion are wrong. Well, that, I but know, that's but fine. that's just a technicality. Glenn, Glenn Beck went on Twitter saying he doesn't even understand the basics of this. Oh, <laughs> oh my heavens. I think—and uh, then the wrap-up, you just don't call—you don't say nasty woman— if you want to attract women or decent people. The one that got me is when he looks over at her and goes, excuse me, my turn. Mm. And the tone was like, you know, little girl, I'm talking. You know, whoa. Uh, hello? Go <laughs> to your room. It's things like that that get interpreted that way. So uh, Clinton did have some pretty good jabs. Uh, she, she got him back on the Putin puppet routine. The Russian government has engaged in espionage against Americans. This has come from the highest levels of the Russian government, clearly from Putin himself, in an effort, as 17 of our intelligence agencies have confirmed, to influence our election. I don't know Putin. He said nice things about me. If we got along well, that would be good. From everything I see, has no respect for this person. Well, that's because he'd rather have a puppet as president of no the United puppet, States. No puppet. And it's pretty clear. You're the puppet. It's pretty clear you won't admit no, you're that the, the Russians your have engaged in cyber attacks against the United States of America, that you encouraged espionage against our people, that you are willing to spout the Putin line, sign up for his wish list, break up NATO, do whatever he wants to do, and that you continue to get help from him because he has a very clear favorite in this race. Yeah. I think that point goes to Hillary. Now, before that, a lot of the analysis is that Trump was, he was on he point. Was, yeah. He was you know, moving forward. He had some arguments. Mm-hmm. He'd got some hits in on her. Yeah. And then she dropped the puppet line, and then he just sort of lost it yeah. because it's she like that's got where he got skin. deflated. Yeah. But he seems to do that. He, he seems to come out for the first— He's got about 40 minutes. Yeah. And then it goes kind of weird. It's like he it's like he lacks stamina. Yeah. Somebody I heard someone suggest that Saturday Night Live do the skit where uh, have Kellyanne Conway off stage with a tranquilizer dart or something, and that's what causes it at the forty minute mark. She shoots and hits him. <laughs> <laughs> Just affects him some way. Yeah. Did you hear that uh, Donald Trump? He does speak Spanish though. Build the wall. We need. The- I want to build the wall. We need the wall. The border patrol, ICE, they all want the wall. We stop the drugs. We, we shore up the border. One of my first acts will it's be coming. to get all of the drug lords, all of the bad ones. We have some bad, bad people in this country that have to go out. We're going to get them out. We're going to secure the border. Sniffing's and once back. the border is secured, at a later date, we'll make a determination as to the rest. But we have some bad hombres here, and we're going to get them out. Got it. The people didn't like that. He's, he's bilingual. He uses a lot of words. He does. But they're the best words. He has the greatest words. He said that before <laughs> in the primaries. But he does. I mean, it's. I think it was. He said bad hombres. Yes. That was good. Uh, Clinton then jabbed him back. Um, she actually used the word he choked. Mm. 
which that them is fighting words. Any violent person, anybody who should be deported, we should deport them. When it comes to the wall that Donald talks about building, he went to Mexico. He had a meeting with the Mexican president, didn't even raise it. He choked and then got into a Twitter war because the Mexican president said, we're not paying for that wall. So I think we are both a nation of immigrants and we are a nation of laws and that we can act accordingly. And that's why I'm introducing comprehensive immigration reform within the first hundred days with a path to citizenship. Hmm. He went to Mexico and he choked. Choked. He came back with, I had a great meeting with the president of Mexico. And then he sniffed probably (laughs) because he's been doing that all night. In fact, we have his response to Hillary's point about choking. Huh. Is that a song? It could be. Maybe is it auto tuned? I can't really. Okay, that sounds like a song. Um, Now, then it kind of turned, and this is where all the news coming out of the 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 whole thing. The news was about whether or not he would accept the results before the debate. Kellyanne Conway, his spokesperson, said that he would. His daughter. At an event in California earlier in the day, said that said he, he would. would. He's a decent man. His He'll vice, do what's right. Vice President Mike Pence said, said he that he would. would. And Donald Trump, as a direct question, will you accept the results? Donald Trump answers this way. Is the peaceful transition of power and that no matter how hard fought a campaign is, that at the end of the campaign, that the loser concedes to the winner, not saying that you're necessarily going to be the loser or the winner, but that the loser concedes to the winner and that the country comes together in part for the good of the country. Are you saying you're not prepared now to commit to that principle? What I'm saying is that I will tell you at the time. I'll keep you in suspense. Well, okay? Chris, let me respond to that because that's horrifying. He's not a puppet. He's not going to... He's not going to accept the results if they're illegal, unethical, immoral, if dead people, if dead Democrats come back and vote. He's not a puppet. That's your debate. It was a great night. It was a great night. I I was flipping between my high school, my son's high school team and the debate. Were they playing last night? They were playing last night. A rivalry game, and it was fun because it was just—it was a great win. <laughs> and I didn't have to only watch the debate. Okay, we'll take a break. When we come back, Joe Cannon, our Washington insider, Joe in the know, we call him. He'll be here. We're, we're just going to pick his brain. What, what's next? What happens now? Fun times. Fun times. But, folks, final debate's over. You can now relax, count down 19 days to the election, and we'll, uh, we'll walk you through it. We'll get through this together. Nobody needs to stress out. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you find the good in the world. We'll be right back. We live in a political world. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Joining us on the phone is uh, Joe in the know. Joe is our friend and our 
our insider, he, uh, he's, he's got a great history and a lot of experience that we try to draw on to make sense of some of these political issues. He was chairman of the Utah Republican Party back in the day, also was a candidate for U.S. Senate, served in the Reagan administration, and uh, was the editor of the Deseret News. Um, also is the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation, an organization that is, has a mission, a purpose to lower fuel costs here in the United States. He's also an L.A. Dodgers fan, so last night may have been a double whammy for him. Joe, welcome to the show, my friend. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Thanks a lot. What, uh, what was harder for you last night, the, the debate or the L.A. Dodgers game where they that lost to the tough. Cubs? The Dodgers game was tough. That was very <laughs> – wow, we just got killed. Uh, uh, it, was, uh, it was so painful to watch. I'm sorry. You know, Jeff here, uh, my – co-host he's he's a big dodger fan too and he came in with his head down he's just kind of puffy eyed you could tell he's been crying all night <laughs> he's sad joe he's sad but hey two and two and two and they, the hey, dodgers man. have looked great it's two and two and pretty good for a pitching rotation that has pretty much one pitcher in it yeah uh, although although he'll performed a couple of nights ago really Really well, so we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's, um, uh, it's as they say it. Well, it's not over until it's over. Right. They used to say till the fat lady sings, and then Donald Trump ruined that. <laughs> That's what they say. What do you do, Joe? Uh, well, actually, what do you think about last night? First of all. Well, I mean, it's really hard to. I, I watched it, and with no commentary, I pretty much came up with the same view as most commentators. I think the winner was Chris Wallace. Yeah, uh, I think that uh, it was uh, uh, for most of the debate. It was a pretty good substantive debate. You know, I mean, I think Hillary has a higher bar than Trump, and she did pretty well. I think taking the three debates together, uh, a number of people said this, and it's, I think it's true. She just, you know, she didn't make any fundamental mistake mm-hmm. uh any any big mistake she's solid steady uh knowledgeable uh and trump was donald trump i mean i would say for most of the debate last night actually i thought he did pretty well he he sounded substantive he sounded knowledgeable he was knowledgeable and on a bunch of the issues uh he was calm measured and then and then it came, you know, <laughs> and it was, okay, you know, um, I'm going to keep you in suspense on something that is a total routine no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Look, many elections have been contested. We could go back to the year 2000. Right. Gore conceded, unconceded, contested. Um, I mean, that... It, all you need to say is, I'll accept the result of the election. Period. You don't need to say, yeah, you, you, you could, that doesn't mean you're not going to say there was voter fraud in Philadelphia. Right. There will be. There's voter fraud in Chicago. Uh, it doesn't mean that. But as one, one, one really conservative commentator noted, you know, the average of all the polls, where is it here, 6.4. Now, she's down a titch, and he's up a titch, but 6.4% is the average of all the polls. That's the Grand Canyon. Mm. Uh, I, you know, 
uh, I think everyone knows there's a, there's election fraud. I mean, I think uh, even Democrats have conceded that that um, Kennedy probably won the election by cheating in uh, by the Davy family cheating in Chicago and then some shenanigans in West Virginia and Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, but the overwhelming feeling of most Americans, of me and of most Americans, is we have a really terrific system. And we have a really terrific system because we have a peaceful transition of power. And in the, in the biggest, greatest country in the world uh, for over two centuries, that's a really remarkable record. So why make that an election issue? Why... You know, uh, from Trump's perspective, you know, he's got his base. He owns his base. To win, he's got to expand that. He's got to get actually regular Republicans, uh, a chunk of whom don't support him. And it's, it's, it's not hard. It's impossible to win an election without the, the overwhelming support of your own party. Is that so, why he – does he – because he, it just seemed like he was just throwing meat to the believers um, instead of trying to win new, you know, new groups of people. Instead of trying to win women, um, or instead of trying to win minorities, he just kept throwing down more and more kind of conservative white male fodder. Well, maybe, maybe. I mean, I, I do think a big chunk of the first part of the debate really did go after the broad Republican coalition. Yeah, there, there was red meat in there, but there's red meat in there for for uh, uh, gun owners. Uh, right. There was uh, red meat in there for social conservative voters, for a, a lot of folks who would, you know, might ordinarily support him. I mean, when we, we say Trump has a women problem, it, the, the problem that he has is among... Uh, married women who generally vote Republican. Right. So single women who generally vote Democrat, that's that's a cohort that, that is very deeply Democrat. Yeah, he doesn't have a woman problem there. They're never going to vote for him. They're, right. They're not likely going to vote for very many Republicans. But, but uh, older married women tend to be more Republican. And it's that group of women who he... Uh, I think reached out to with defense, economics, even abortion. That's a, that's an issue mm-hmm. uh, that plays uh, plays well with the married uh, women with children. So that that's a that's a, a place where Republicans generally get a majority. But if and, I, I guess and, if and he's that's where, he, that's where he's losing. So so uh, how, how do you appeal to them? You want to give them permission to vote for you. Mm. You know, uh, and and not now. I'm I'm broadening to there's there's uh, married married women and um, Republicans in general, just white male Republicans or uh, who would otherwise vote for him but don't want to vote for him. They're they're looking for a permission, a reason, mm-hmm. give me a reason to vote for you, Mr. Trump. And uh, and I think he was doing a pretty good job of that last night. Honestly, I think he was doing a pretty good job that until he just kind of blows up the table again <laughs> by by reminding everybody that it's almost like he you know he doesn't want to win it no right 
it's it's like why? I mean, that, that was such a no brainer answer, and then that becomes the the the, the debate. Yeah, I mean the the uh, the buffer sticker for the debate. Well, it it seems like. It almost sounded like he was in a, a primary election debate because he's still – I guess when you're still shoring up the Republican uh, general Republican vote, you're in trouble when you're 19 days out, right? I mean you're, you're – Well, yeah, I yeah, know that, that's true. You should be but broadening I, I, your base. Yeah, I guess I am pushing back on that a little bit. I think he did pretty well with his base. Uh there are a, a chunk of independents, so-called independents. If you break down independents, they're very, very few. There's not one, but there aren't a lot. Hmm. Most so-called uh, undecided slash independents, A, they either aren't going to vote, or B, they have a, an inclination, a proclivity to vote either Democrat or Republican. So, so you do need to attract them. You need to appeal their Democratness, if you're a Democrat or Republicanness, if you're mm. Republican, to kind of get get to get enough votes. And you're, like you're saying, I, get their I, attention, get their yeah. get them to agree that they can vote for you. You're palatable enough. Yeah. And I'm going to say he did a pretty good job on that. Mm. He, he stuck to pretty much Republican issues most of the time. Yeah, he sounded strong on defense. I mean, it's it, we're we're making a comparison. What do I say here? He doesn't sound like a normal politician right. at all. That's the thing that appeals to his base. But I thought in most of the debate, he sounded enough like a traditional Republican politician uh, that he was probably, you know, that was probably helping himself with, with uh, some chunks of people he needed to help himself with. Hmm. Like I said, defense, the economy, uh, the social issues, the Supreme Court. Those are all issues that are really important to a lot of Republicans. And uh, so I thought he did I thought he did fine. Again, he didn't speak the way uh, I would speak or, you know, a lot of uh, kind of traditional Republican, as they would say, establishment people speak. Mm-hmm. But he spoke well enough to it to, to demonstrate uh, a pretty good understanding of some, some fairly complex issues. So, like I said, I I I think I think he could have owned the night. Uh, she did well. It's not like it's not like a big yeah. binary. He's a big winner and she's a big loser. She did fine. She she did well. She punched hard, more more hard than I thought she would. I mean, I was I've been kind of surprised at that all along actually. Mm. Uh, that that she's she's been as feisty as she has, but she has and mm-hmm. she did pretty well and. Uh, but he, I think, did pretty well with his talking points. And then it just, like, just say yes. <laughs> eventually, because eventually you will yeah. say yes. That's the whole point. That's right. I mean, yeah. Well, and you don't uh, keep, I mean, this is politics, right? I mean, you don't keep markets in suspense. You don't keep countries in suspense. You don't, I mean, it just seemed like he was creating a TV drama. Now, um, ha- having said all that, I will say that the chattering class and the generally the people who worry about things like this were, as she said, hor- uh, horrified mm. at that statement. Mm. Um, you have to keep in mind that the vast, vast percentage of people, even now, you know, they. I'm not. I'm not 
not sure how much that affected a, a large number of voters. Right. What, what it did do, you know, on, on the substance, I mean, what he said was, well, you know, I'll, I'll think about it. And, you know, it's kind of an, an odd answer. The problem with it is, is that that's the buffer sticker for the whole debate. Mm. So he's not, he's not going to get credit for any of the things that he did that were actually kind of, I thought, pretty good from a tactical standpoint in that debate with the people he needed to get to. Hmm. Yeah, so he won't control the message. Yeah. Yeah, Well, he definitely isn't going to control the message, and the message is maybe I am a problematic guy. Yeah. (laughs) And and I don't – yeah, I don't don't buy into the protection of the union as a whole. I mean, because it's kind of sacrosanct, right, that you – that you hold up right, the fact I'm, that elections are sacred and we will we will transition governments right. effectively. I want to be I want to be your leader, uh, the leader of the free world. That's what I want to be. And and by the way, I think I'm going to just throw a little sand in the eyes of people who care about this, you know, almost sacred way we choose presidents mm-hmm. and, and you know, even if he's right that there's there's fraud. No, there's no fraud. One, Debating that, no, I mean, some people might be, but a lot of people don't debate that there's election fraud. The The problem is, notwithstanding that, we've had, we have the best system yeah. of electing people and preserving our republic, uh, preserving American values, preserving, I mean, uh, uh, democratic values of any system in the world. Hmm. Yeah. And we don't, yeah. It's... Yeah, it was... Again, and then and then we'll take a break and come back. And he also threw out that last comment in the last ninety seconds about nasty women, uh, or she's a nasty woman. And um, I don't know. There's just I, uh, it's just we're also on this heightened sense of what, what's proper and not. We'll come back, Joe. We'll talk about it. I want to hear your take on that. And what do you think the fallout will be? What do you do the last nineteen days? Um, how do you? How do you swing this, and uh, and what do you think is coming down the down the pipe here? We'll take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world and get through this election process. We'll be back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. On the line with us, Joe in the know. Joe Cannon is with us. He uh, is our Washington insider. Really what he is is he's he's just a, a guy that's studied this for years, been a part of it, um, and knows a lot of people on the scene, and we like to pick his brain after events like the debate last night. Joe Cannon, welcome back to the show, my friend. Thanks, Matt. So, does so Donald is he's down in a lot of the polls. Um, he wh- what's next? It's almost like he's he he spends so much time winging it. Uh, I, I wonder how his the team around him handle this because both Mike Pence and uh, Kelly Conway they're both they're both saying no. He's going to accept these results. And then Donald comes out and basically says he won't, and then they have to go back out and try to spin it again. How how long can you spin when there's not much to spin? Yep. Well, I mean, there's no spinning that one. I mean, that's uh, 
Uh, I don't know what they're going to say. I haven't heard anything this morning about what they're actually saying. But the, I mean, what it, what it comes down to now is another difficulty for Mr. Trump and a strength for Mrs. Clinton is that she's organized on the ground in all the states that matter. And he's not. He's counting on big crowds. He's counting on uh, enthusiasm. And I will say that, you know, they're probably people who are supporting him are more enthusiastic about supporting mm. him than people who are supporting Hillary Clinton. Yeah. That, that's true. But is that actually enough? And when you go state by state by state, you know, he almost everybody says you have to win Florida. Uh, well, he's down 3.6% in Florida. Yeah. Uh, he, he's actually down. She's up slightly in Arizona. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is normally Republican state. Uh, there are a couple of recent polls in Texas showing her within two points of him in Texas. So what that what's that saying is that undergirding all this, it's going to be really really tough for him uh, because again you don't win by the national vote, you win state by state. And when you look at that, you know he's ahead in a couple of really important states, but he's way behind in Pennsylvania. He's two and a half percent behind in North Carolina. He's three and a half percent behind in Florida. If he doesn't win those states, he can't win. It's over. And so, you know, uh, I know I I have friends on uh, friends on both sides. Yeah, can't can't imagine voting for him. Uh, and then they can't. And then other friends who can't imagine voting for her. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, uh, the the people on either side. They know they're going to win. I mean, I still know. I you know, it's, uh, true Trumpers totally believe they're going to win. They believe this is Brexit all over again. They <laughs> believe there's going to be a mystical, magical surge of voters who've never come out and vote. They point to the one or two polls that show that it's close and ignore all the rest of the polls which show this chasm. So let me just make one caveat, and that is many people have been wrong, including me, for most of the last year yeah. on what's going to happen in this, in this race. So yeah, there, there are scenarios where something happens, but it's hard to see because one of the things that the father of our Republican Party, uh, Abraham Lincoln, said, you identify your voters and you turn them out, and that's how you win elections. Well, that's a kind of blocking and tackling, pick and shovel kind of job, and and um, I don't don't see they're moving that. I, I you know you probably talked about Evan McMullen on the show, yeah, right? well, a little bit, yeah. 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 Uh, I, I just can't resist. I mean, you know, my favorite blog when it comes to uh, things political is five thirty eight. We've talked about right, right. Over. They've actually done some work. And, you know, you mentioned the uh, baseball. So let me just try this out on you. Yeah. Uh, There is a a post in 538. You know, it's not a Utah thing. It's a national bunch of uh, pretty smart people. I mean, they they tend to be Democrat, but they they also care a lot about their reputation as statisticians. Right. Uh, And by the way, they give Trump a 12.7% chance of winning. Uh, They did a piece. There was a piece in there on Evan McMullen from the state of really uh, how he could become the next president of the United States. What? Yeah. How? By, how? by like a depressed, vo- how? Okay. Yeah. Explain it. 
Okay, so no one gets 270 electoral votes. Mm. And he comes in with, let's say he wins Utah, he gets six electoral votes. If nobody gets 270, the the, the, well, the Constitution and then some, some statutes say, okay, wait, it goes to the House of Representatives. Oh, boy, yeah. The House of Representatives chooses the top three electoral vote getters. Oh, yeah. So and then, then, the, vo- then House they vote of on Representatives it. gets to choose between Clinton, Trump, and McMullen. Hmm. And um, I'm not pushing this, by the way. Right. I don't. I don't believe. It. But the interesting point is some some pretty smart people have thought about it. But here's the here's the kicker. Uh, I, if you follow baseball and you look at these playoff series, the Chicago Cubs beat the San Francisco Giants in the bottom of the ninth inning by scoring. Shoot, I should look it up. But four or five. Four runs. point four. Yeah. Four runs. The chance of that happening is less than the chance that Evan McMullen has of becoming the next president of the United States. Wow. According to, according to 538. <laughs> anyway. That's a, interesting. Uh, I mean, and by the way, Michael Medved came out yesterday and said he was supporting Evan McMullen. Did he really? Yeah. Dennis Prager, on the other hand, said, I'll never defend Trump. He's reprehensible. He's repugnant. But I got to worry about the Supreme Court, and he said he'd vote for Trump. So mm. interesting is w- when you think about it, and we talk about the democracy, and we talk about handing uh, the democracy over to a Trump who seems like he's kind of undertooled to handle it necessarily. Um, but he's he would he would supposedly choose a more conservative. Supreme Court justice, because that's what he says. Um, is it what else would be so different with Hillary Clinton that a conservative? I mean, it seems like Hillary Clinton would really be more of Obama, right? Well, and yeah, that's what she says. I mean, she basically says more I'm Obama, do more more and better than Obama. President Obama has done. Uh, but I'm on that path. So, no, she's that, uh, I think she believes that, actually. But, yeah. But it also is the fact that she has to believe that or she couldn't get the party's nomination and she couldn't get the support of the party. So, right. yeah, she, she's uh, – her statement, her argument is uh, it's going to take longer than the eight years that President Obama has had to turn the economy around. But I'm going to do it by basically – and she said last night, I'm basically going to do the economic stimulus uh, plus uh, that uh, President Obama did to get us out of the nightmare that he inherited. Hmm. So, yeah, so she's you – know, you're looking at more more of the same. Now, I think – I mean, there are differences. She's more political uh, than he is. I think she is more of a free trader than – President Obama is. I think she's probably more of a hawk than he is. I mean, mm. there are differences. Yeah. Not, is she more? Close. Would she? Would she? It sounds like when you hear some of the senators on both sides of the aisle talk about how she worked in Congress or, and in, as as a senator, it seems like she might be able to do more uh, work with both sides. Is that true? 
Oh, well, there is no question that she would work better with uh, Congress than President Obama did, but that's a oh. very low bar. Yeah. I mean, many, many Democrats, many Democrats in the Senate and the House privately, I've heard with my own ears, privately, and others, and, and uh, through others, that that there's no love lost between the Democrats in, in yeah. the Senate and, and President Obama. I mean, he goes up there with the greatest reluctance and pain uh, to mm. do that. So, so, I mean, yeah, that, that'll be a little bit different, but the issues are still going to be the issues. Yeah. And, uh, and so on a lot of things, there's not going to be compromise. Now, the fact is, if she wins, there's a better than even chance that she wins the Senate or gets a tie and as Senator Kane be the tiebreaker. So mm. um, that might not be quite the same hmm. issue that President Obama had. Do, do you think, I mean, it's, I, I guess, because that's what I'm looking at is if uh, Donald Trump has an 80 or a 12% chance of winning, according to Nate Silver, then she has an 88% chance of winning short, right. short of the miracle of McMullen. Um, but does, so I guess I'm trying to figure out in the end, will we have more compromise and will the first female president of the United States have either an ability, a gift or more incentive to get government moving uh, than any other president in recent time? Uh, maybe. I mean, I think more than President Obama, but only a little more, but because – Again, what does it mean to get the government moving? So if you believe that the answer to the economic problems is more taxes, and so person A believes, just says President Clinton believes that we need more taxes, more government to stimulate the economy, and Republicans believe that you need less taxes and less regulation to stimulate the economy, well, where's the compromise there? I mean, there, there are plenty mm. of issues that it's not so easy. Just because there are different players doesn't change that there are some fundamental issues and fundamental differences around important issues. Right. But would, would I know you're going to run in a second. Okay, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. But I was just going to say, would a, I mean, like, would a real true politician, negotiator that could go in and sit with both sides and create compromise? Would that there, be? There, there are plenty of issues for which that's possible. Okay, but there are also plenty of issues for which that's not. Gonna that's be not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it may. It just. So it really, in the end, sometimes it just flat out doesn't matter who you're electing because the the well, trenches are so deep. Well, it's a it's a team sport. Yeah, and there there are two different teams. Yeah, and the different teams over the last few decades have increasingly solidified around a certain certain sets of beliefs which are mutually exclusive mm. now mm. not all of them not all yeah yeah plenty of issues for which that's not true but for some fundamental issues that's just true and so you win you win president obama won obamacare by brute uh brute force uh within the system there was no compromise on that no right. not one republican voted for it uh and and, but he had the luxury of having having a uh, uh, a majority in the uh, in both houses, and that's how it happened. So 
so that's it's going to be more like that. They're going to there's going to be stalemate around a lot of issues, and there will be less stalemate around some issues. You might get budgets, for example. You might get real budgets. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're going to have to do health care. They're going to have to okay, do hey, hey, imm- hey. immigration. Before you quit, though, I yeah, yeah, tell yeah. You, I want to read some names to you. Okay. Hemingway, Faulkner, Thomas Mann, George Bernard Shaw, T.S. Eliot, Rudyard Kipling, W.B. Yates, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, Bob Dylan. What do all those people have in common? Nobel laureates. They, they all won the Nobel Prize for Literature. I know. I, I thought we had talked about that. No, that's I don't amazing. Think we did. Bob I, I Dylan, man. It's legit. So you're, you're, you're just showing how literate you are well, by, but, by playing some Dylan music at the beginning. No, exactly. I thought we were stooping, but no, we're, we're stepping up. Good job, Joe Cannon. We appreciate you. Keep up the great work there at uh, Fuel Freedom Foundation. Go to fuelfreedom.org to find out more how he's fighting to lower costs, fuel costs in the United States. A <sighs> lot to learn, folks. A lot to learn. And hey, when in doubt, go to Bob Dylan. It'll help you create more peace. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends. Two quotes for you about this election, one by Franklin Roosevelt. Nobody will ever deprive the American people of the right to vote except the American people themselves. And the only way they could do this is by not voting. And uh, by Louis L'Amour, to make democracy work, we must be a nation of participants, not simply observers. One who does not vote has no right to complain. So if you don't go cast a vote, then shut it. Shut your mouth. You have no right to complain if you're not going to participate in democracy more than on a board of complaining. Can't do it. Not going to do it. We'll take a break, folks. Hour number one. It's in the books. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. Hour number two of the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Happy Thursday. By the way, tonight, BYU game. So you can uh, get excited. No debate tonight. 10-15 Eastern, so take a nap. Holy cow. Really? Yeah. What are they doing? Well, they're trying to maximize the viewership. They well, put it on at 10 o'clock at night when everyone's going to don't bed. Don't they understand that we have students that need to go to sleep? It's only 8 o'clock in the West. I know. but 7 o'clock on the West Coast. BYU, we- they go to bed early. Yeah. They just eat there. By the way, I just went out to my car, and apparently somebody's cooking donuts. No. Mm-hmm. I smelled the distinctive smell of donuts in the air. They're doing it at the bakery next door. Is that oh. what they call mm. that place? The creamery. Hey, speaking of that, isn't there supposed to be like an ice cream testing, taste testing in the yes. break room today? Mm-hmm. We're getting Sweet. new food here at the broadcasting building. So, uh, yeah. That's great. That's really good for everybody except the, those that are listening to us. Hey, the today, interesting guest coming up. He's going to teach us about why we are all so creeped out by clowns. 
Yes. Because they're creepy. He will teach us why. It's not that... To the point where some local police departments have advised people not to wear clown masks for Halloween or they make it attacked by people because there's such a fear in the, in the communities now. <sighs> Clowns used to be so fun. Target took all clown masks out of their stores. Did they really? That's what I read. They don't want to be a part of that. I think 10 states now have like sightings or bans on clowns. The next step will be anti-clown legislation. Man. The Clown Federation is fed up. Clowns are happy. They're supposed to be fun. Okay, so here's a question. They won't be able to marry. <laughs> then so That's a different You're not thing. marrying oh, okay. that clown. <laughs> There'll be clown-only bathrooms. It's just That's it's going to go off the rails. That is so true. It's uh, Whatever happened to, to jesters, though? Because jesters yeah. don't seem like they're the same as a clown, except in this article... Yeah. We're just as afraid of a jester. I think they got taken to court. Right. Wow. Yep. Yeah, so clown psychology. Clown psychology 101. We'll be talking about what creeps you out. It's actually it's very fascinating. It's and, and it, it it might help you in other parts of your life. Really? About why you get creeped out by certain people. Okay. Like does a man with really long skinny fingers creep you out? Yes. <laughs> okay. Especially if he has long, pointy fingernails. Yes. So does that creep you out? We'll, we'll get into what makes something creepy. Hmm. Interestingly, men have cornered the creepy market. Well, yeah. More men are seen as creepy than women. We, we tend to stare a lot. That kind of creeps yeah. people out. Right. Says who? Or like uh, if you – let's say you're in a debate – and while the female is speaking, if you're constantly looming and moving behind her, behind her, <laughs> sniffing in a shark or lion sort of way, does that creep you out? I think it creeped out the audience. I don't think she really knew. No. She kind of played along it's afterwards. All it's all good. <laughs> so we'll get to all of that fun. Plus, it's Suspenders Day. That's great. Suspenders. Wow. Suspenders have been around, by the way, for about 300 Plus years. How old are you when you wear suspenders not to be unique, not to be like you're making a statement? You wear them because this is a useful Just item of clothing. <laughs> you are, it, suspenders age you by 20 years. Yes. Anytime you wear them. You see hipsters with their beards. Do you know why they became popular, repopularized in the 20s? Anti-belt movement? No. Oh. Because in the 20s, the pants were very high. Mm. They were high-waisted. Yes, they were. So you, you couldn't wear a belt or you'd be cinching it around like your rib cage. Wouldn't it be awesome to be at the airport and somebody doesn't have to take off their belt, but the, uh, the TSA people say, uh, sir, you're going to have to take off those suspenders. <laughs> How embarrassing would yeah. that be? Yeah. That would be – it's happened to me twice. I've had to disrobe. Mm. <laughs> I like wearing braces. That's the Nordstrom version of suspenders. Suspenders. Not okay. Brag. Not to brag. Yeah. By the way, Samuel Samuel Clemens, also known as Mark Twain, uh, became uh, he was he wore suspenders a lot, but I think he actually ended up owning the um, 
patent to him. Oh, oh so that why there's the Samuel Clemens suspender collection yeah, at, the brand. at Macy's. Oh, I love that collection. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's information overload day. I think we just got that on suspenders. Did you get the email? No. Okay. We just gave too much information on suspenders. Yeah, it was a little, little much. Okay. Well, a little you're overloaded. The one that wrote it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> change that next time. So Sorry. We'll, we'll get to that. Plus, we'll talk uh, with the psychologist about why clowns creep us out and what makes something creepy. And also, we'll be talking about Halloween candy. The truth about. Halloween candy from Caitlin Thomas, who we are told is feeling better. But before we get to all that fun, let's get to Sadie Nielsen with the headlines. Find out what's going on around the rest of the world. Sadie, what's up? New Jersey Governor Chris Christie has agreed to appear in court over a citizen's complaint of misconduct in his handling of the infamous lane closures on the George Washington Bridge in 2013. According to the documents filed in the New Jersey Superior Court, Christie will appear in court on November 23rd. The governor has repeatedly denied any participation in the scandal. Ivanka Trump on Wednesday claims she isn't a surrogate for her father, Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump. During Fortune magazine's Most Powerful Women Summit, Trump said she dismisses the idea she's a surrogate because it oversimplifies the role she plays as a daughter. Justice Department officials are warning that they'll be dispatching fewer trained election observers as a result of the Supreme Court opinion that gutted a key provision of the Voting Rights Act. The reduction is likely to diminish the department's ability to detect voter intimidation and other potential problems at the polls. It comes as more than a dozen states have adopted new voting and registration rules, and Republican candidate Donald Trump warns without evidence that the November 8th election will be rigged and exhorts his followers to be vigilant and against unspecified fraud. And finally, yes. this is a uh, spooky story for you, I suppose. Ooh, scary. Um, interesting footage has emerged online showing a mutant pig born in China. Ooh. This is real. I confirmed it. I watched the video on it. The animal was born with three eyes and two snouts on a farm in a rural area in the southwest of the country. Ugh. Yeah. The owner said the piglet had been hand-reared since birth as its deformity makes it difficult to feed, mm. according to the New York China, or sorry, not New York, New China newspaper. Despite being scared by the creature's bizarre appearance, she now thinks it is, quote, quite cute. Well, Yeah. <laughs> Once you get used to it, it's quite cute. Yeah, but once it grows into a pig, like an actual giant pig, not a piglet anymore, yeah. it's going to be ugly. Do all the do all three eyes work? Um, I don't think so. I think only two of the eyes work, but I think he can breathe through both snouts. Good. So extra air. Well, that'll help. Beneficial, I suppose. Well, I mean, yeah. It's so sometimes these deformities actually make you stronger, better, does more he have, capable. Does he have? Double portions of pork? Uh, is he more porkly? Is, he more, is that what you're Is he more porky or is he just like, is it like one pig? I don't know. We'll find out in a couple features. years when he gets slaughtered. Okay. What does he taste like? <laughs> we'll stay on top of that story. Oh, we got to know if it's like double pork. Yeah. <laughs> that's gross. <laughs> Thanks, Sadie. That's kind of funny how you could care less about the poor little pig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all you cared about if he is if he makes better bacon. Yeah, pretty much. That's ruthless. If you get double pork out of that, there could be a world hunger sort of solving problems sort of nature to that story. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. With pork and bacon. Yeah. I mean, I don't care if the thing's got three <laughs> eyes and two snouts. I don't care yeah. as long as it's got more pork rinds. There you go. <laughs> 
Holy cow, what's happening to this world? Hey, um, so many people are just frustrated with the political world. Um, Donald Trump Jr. made a really interesting statement that I think we ought to get to about his father. It's on Fox um, News after yeah, the it's, debate. It's clip 17, but it's, it, it's explaining why his dad may make so many political mistakes. You know, I didn't tell him to change anything. You know what? He hasn't spent his whole life to be up on a debate stage like a career politician. He spent his life creating jobs, building things, doing things that would benefit American workers in this country. He's done that for his whole career. So you know what? He's learning. He's learning as you go. Imagine if he was doing this for his whole life, he'd be the greatest politician in the history of the world. Okay? He's learning as he goes because he's a real American. He's been speaking with real Americans from day one. He's not talking at them. He's talking with them. He wants all Americans because guess what? Unlike Hillary Clinton, who's gotten very rich being a politician, peddling American influence, he hasn't. This is only, this is only a step down. What does that mean? This is only a step down. The presidency is beneath him. That, that's yeah. what it's being interpreted as, but is that what he meant? Well, I think I think it's he, he's he. I think what he's trying to say is everyone else is above the presidency. Okay, and Donald is stepping out of the everyone else world down into the presidency. It's a foreign world for him. He's condescending. Oh wow! It's like going. Oh, the presidency in this example is like going to uh, Hades. Mm. Is that is that the place? That's a place in Greek mythology. Yes, and uh, you go down. It's the dark underworld. Okay, and he's coming down. So instead oh, okay. of instead of a fast food manager, he's now the fry cooker. Yeah, with hot oil. Hmm. Right. Yeah, but he would be the greatest politician in the world if he did it full time. Well, he's already the greatest father in the world, and he's the greatest uh, developer in the world, and right. he's the greatest you know uh, hospitality owner in the world, right. greatest steak maker, greatest mm-hmm. uh, water purveyor. Yep, golf courses. He's, golf he's course, good on the golf course. Creator. Um, Sounds a lot like Kim Jong Un. Very much. Yeah. Uh, except Kim Jong Un has um, unicorns. Oh, I forgot about the unicorns. Yep. Right. Okay. Don't forget those. So why this is why it's kind of turning into a circus. Mm-hmm. But the problem with calling uh, the whole political process a circus is now the actual circus, the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus, they've had enough of that. They want people to stop calling the 2016 election a circus. It's such a... It, it's a word that describes it so well. They've started a new campaign titled The Circus Wants the Circus Back. Hmm. The goal is to get rid of the negative association the presidential election has brought to the word circus and, by the way, clowns. Yes. They are a large purveyor of clowns. Everyone from the media to the public to politicians to even President Barack Obama himself have repeatedly called the 2016 presidential election a circus or referred to the candidates as clowns. Hmm. And it needs to stop. Think of the circus. The world ringmaster, by the way, of the Barnum and Bailey uh, circus, Jonathan Lee Iverson, made that announcement in a press release. These comparisons need to stop. We want to hashtag take back the circus. How's that for a job title? World Ringmaster. Oh, man. That's great. That is a great title. Look good on a resume. I think that could be my new title. Because this is a ring. This is a circus. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 
Yeah, ringmaster. World ringmaster. I'm not, I don't know that I reached the world so status. But, but you should be a ringmaster? Definitely BYU Broadcasting ringmaster. Okay. We can put a memo out and see what everyone collectively thinks about it at some random committee meeting. Let's do that. That's how we get paper for the printer, too. So, yeah, same thing. Do that. Do that. So, put that out for me, will you? <laughs> I want that out. Uh, just see, just run it by Don if I could be the BYUB ringmaster. Okay. We'll check with his assistant so we can find yeah. out a time for a meeting that works with yeah. everyone's schedule. So, folks, quit just arbitrarily throwing out the word circus. Yeah. Circuses are people, too. Yeah. You know? Does that not work there? Yeah. I, that. I don't think it works there. Circuses aren't people. They're made up of people. Yeah. Okay. So say it that way. Are businesses people? According to <laughs> Mr. Romney, yes. Okay. Just they are people. Um, okay. So with that story out there, now we can um, now we can relax. Uh, another problem that is part of the. Not this, what are we going to call it now? Um, the 2016 election. Okay. You, you Not a circus. You can't call it a circus. No. Yeah. Uh-oh. The sign. Facebook video of a Trump sign dis- being destroyed leads to criminal charges. Mm. You won't believe what state. We had the guy electrocuting a sign the uh-huh. other day. That was, that was so fun. when you ever say, when you say guess the state, it'd be Florida. Exactly. Yeah. Police say a Cape Coral man recorded video of himself intentionally destroying a Donald Trump sign. <laughs> then he posted the video to social media. Of course. We've already proven on the show, big mistake. Commit a crime, post it to social media. Don't do that. Tear down a sign, commit a crime, pay the fine, and get electrocuted sometimes. Uh, the 4 by 8 sign valued at $275 was found destroyed on Sunday. That's expensive The for victim sign. later was found. 36-year-old Manuel Ratiz of Cape Coral posted the video on Facebook, which made him very easy to find. And uh, it showed him destroying the sign and then intentionally driving off the roadway over the sign. Cape Coral police uh, located Ratiz at his home and charged him with criminal mischief oh. for over $200 uh, criminal mischief charge. So now he will get to pay $5,000 probably to <laughs> First. Plus replace the sign. Well, that'll open your eyes. That'll open up your eyes. Oh, oh. Yeah. Sorry. You know, I think they had a good point in this song. Enough is enough. Or maybe they were just posing the question, is enough enough? Or maybe it rhymed. That's, that's another good point. Probably just, <laughs> just, just Maybe it rhymed. It just fit in. With the song, so this is part of the air quote circus Careful. that the world ringmaster. It's a trigger word for the circus ringmaster exactly. guy. Yeah, is trying to stop. So, don't destroy people's signs. If you don't like Trump, vote. Yeah. If you don't like Hillary, vote. Vote. If you're sick of both of them, vote. For Mickey Mouse or something. Vote for somebody else. But do something. Um, In a minute, we're going to come back and talk about clowns. We're not clowning around on this one. Why are so many people creeped out by clowns? And by the way, the background, the research on all things creepy. What makes something creepy? If you've ever been told you're a creep, you're going to want to listen up. If you know someone that's a little creepy, you're going to want to give them this interview. 
Help them out. We'll give you uh, all the information you need to know about Creeps and Clowns up next right here on the Matt Townsend Show. BYU Radio. Hi, I'm Bob, and I used to be a clown for birthday parties, corporate events, and political conventions. But now I track down dangerous clowns and apprehend them for a living. Here's a sneak peek at my new show, Bob the Clowny Hunter. I'm the Bob, the Big Bad Bob, the Clowny Hunter. Okay, rule number one in clown hunting, you got to make sure you don't come off as a threat. That way you can get close to them without them suspecting a thing. That's why I dress like one of their own when I'm working. I've got my flower water squirter thing, I've got my big red nose, as well as my squeaky shoes. Let's go catch us a clown. Okay, our first clown is a real scumbag. He's been freaking out tourists, getting in their faces, and making rude hand gestures. Oh, oh, there he is. That's weird. My clown outfit is different than any I've ever seen. Whatever, these guys are getting sicker and more twisted every day. Let's go get him. Excuse me, are you Pierre? You are? Well then, you're under arrest. Hey, 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 what are you doing? Hey, why are you pretending to run away in a windstorm? What are you doing with your hands? Pierre, if you don't settle down, I'm going to have to pepper spray you in the face. Pierre, put down that imaginary gun. That's it. You're coming with me, you slime. Uh, okay, so it uh, turns out that Pierre was actually a mime, so uh, that was my bad. Uh, but my lawyers have just informed me that mimes are a kind of a clown, so uh, clown cops. Be sure to check out my new show, Bob the Clowny Hunter. I'm the Bob, the big bad Bob, the clowny hunter. For the past couple of months, sightings of people dressed up as clowns has caused major concern and panic in many areas of the country. But aren't clowns supposed to be fun? In some venues, they make jokes and blow up balloon animals, but in others, they terrify people. Why is it that we are so afraid of clowns? Our guest today, Dr. Frank McAndrew, uh, wrote an article in the conversation entitled The Psychology Behind Why Clowns Creep Us Out. And uh, Dr. McAndrew is a Cornelia H. Dudley Professor of Psychology at Knox College and elected fellow of several professional organizations. We're honored to have him on the show. Dr. McAndrew, thank you so much for being with us. Hello, Matt. Good to be back. I love that you're. I love this clan. <laughs> I love your article. You are a great writer, uh, Mr. Frank. And you, I'm telling you, you your last line in your um, article. I'm, I'm not even going to give the lines, but you, everybody's got to go find the article in the conversation. The psychology behind why clowns creep us out, because there are some some big shoes to fill. Um, <laughs> What a great line. So talk to us about your research here. You you didn't just research clowns per se, but about creepy people, creepiness. Yeah, that's right. I I don't really research clowns at all. But uh, earlier this year, I published an article about what creepiness is all about. And the only clown connection there was we had people rate occupations in terms of creepiness. And clowns kind of rose to the top of the list as the creepiest of occupations. 
But that was enough of a hook to uh, when this whole clown thing got going to get me involved. So uh, that's that's how it came to be. You do a little history on clowns. I mean, the the clown movement, the clown profession, it's been around a long time, right? Yes, literally thousands of years. Uh, it started off, clowns were sort of like court jesters, even going back to ancient Egypt, which meant that they had the freedom to poke fun at powerful people and do things the average guy on the street couldn't do, um, as long as their entertainment value outweighed uh, the insults. Mm. Uh, there was a line they didn't want to cross. That scared me. When I read that, I thought, that's a scary job. Yes, it is. Because you're always walking a fine line and you're always looking to the king to, ugh, hope that went over. Yeah, sure. It's funny, funny, funny. Oh, not funny. <laughs> Done. Yeah, then you you retire. Lost your job yep. and your head. So um, when we – because it, it's also – you know, I was thinking too, reading your article about Ronald McDonald. He's got to be taking a beating right now. Well, as a matter of fact, uh, McDonald's pulled him for uh, – I, I think he's still sort of on hiatus. That's right. All this. It's yeah. kind of like – yeah, it's like the king. I guess the Burger King pulled him. Um, <laughs> You, but, you. It's it, what is it about though the the these jesters, uh, which is I guess what they call them too in England still, and clowns. What what is it that creeps us out about them? They're such good people. Well, some of them are. Uh, <laughs> John Wayne Gacy, not so much. Yeah, explain that. That's great. Yeah, that's so, the beginning of the fall. Well. Um, even before that, starting around the 1500s, a clown started to be sort of mischievous. Uh, it goes back to the old Punch and Judy puppet shows right. that used to go on, and Shakespeare had some clown-like characters. And they were buffoons, but at the same time, they were mischievous. You never knew what they were going to do next. And um, so that's kind of where the, the clown creepy vibe started. But it really took off in the 1980s when uh, John Wayne Gacy, who used to work children's birthday parties as a clown, turns out to be a serial killer uh. um, who buried all these people in the crawl space of his house. And after that, of course, Hollywood started taking off with the killer clown genre. And I don't know how many. There's at least a dozen killer clown movies. Yeah. But um, the thing that creepiness seems to be, at least when it comes to people, is you're dealing with somebody... And you're not sure if they pose a threat or not. But the problem is they're unpredictable. They're sending you mixed signals. And um, it leaves you in this very uncomfortable place because if you're just talking to an awkward person who doesn't mean you any harm, it would be kind of weird to start screaming and running away from them, right? I mean, that's pretty rude. But at the same time, if this is somebody you should be screaming and running away from, you better do it. So you kind of end up just kind of wallowing in this discomfort while you're talking to the person. And it's anything that makes them unpredictable. So if they're doing non-normative, non-verbal things, you know, their eye contact's a little off and they're laughing and smiling at the wrong times and they're touching you sort of in inappropriate ways, um, all this puts you on your guard and it makes you sort of frozen there monitoring what they're doing. Clowns have all of the stuff that make them unpredictable in spades. They got the makeup going on. Yeah. So you can't even tell who they are and you can't tell what they're feeling. You know, they've got this thing painted on their face that makes them look like they're happy, but are they really? Um, they're mischievous. So are you going to get a pie in the face or are they going to humiliate you in some other way? You don't know. They've got all the odd physical things going on, which sets them apart and makes them different from ordinary people. Hmm. So I've actually been getting a lot of correspondence from angry clowns and sad clowns. Oh, yeah. An unforeseen side effect 
who <laughs> yeah. um, want to distinguish themselves, the professionals, from these posers that are out there terrorizing the public. Well, so. and but I guess what it is, you're talking more, you're not trying to offend half of the clown population. You're saying what what creeps us out about people is when we see something, when they're unpredictable and um, because and that's our nature, right? Our nature kicks in and says, don't trust a, a man whose face is painted differently than his real emotion. Yeah, that's right. And don't trust somebody who you can't tell what they're going to do next. We mm. like predictability. And our ancestors were cowards. They were the ones who were afraid of these things. The people who weren't on their guard against strange behaving others, they're not with us anymore. Yeah, that is so true, isn't it? So because as an evolutionary psychologist, this makes sense. Our our ancestors created the conditions that now make us not trust unpredictable people. What were some of the other things that – what were some of the other professions that were seen or deemed as creepy? Well, uh, the next two on the list were uh, taxidermists and undertakers. Oh, yeah. That's pretty creepy. <laughs> yeah. And when you think about it, you know, these are jobs where the person has chosen to spend their lo- daily life with the dead. Yeah. And most of us would prefer not to do that, right? We want to go somewhere else. Right. And so right away, that makes the person unusual. And if they're unusual in that way, what other ways might they be unusual? Hmm. And, you know, if they like dead things, maybe they would like me better if I was dead. And, you know, your mind starts racing to all these other strange things. Um, (laughs) Sex shop operators also were on the list. But I think that one, we had more women than men in our sample. Okay, yeah. Women thought that sex shop operators were creepy. Men, not so much. So I think this was a function of... Just the fact that we had so many women in the group. Yeah, and one was about Rhett. Like, you made a joke. I don't know. If, but the guy at the office that doesn't know that he's he's not supposed to bring his snake to work. So uh, well, he brings a reptile right. in and keeps it at his desk. Yeah. Again, it's it's all about society kind of functions and we get along with each other because there are rules that we follow. And we expect people to behave certain ways in certain settings. And a person who violates those rules and is clueless about them uh, immediately puts us on our guard because we don't know what they're going to do. And if they're clueless about innocent things like bringing reptiles to work, maybe they're clueless about some more dangerous things, too. Hmm. And so we got to watch them. So that's really – and this is, I think, important in our day-to-day lives because – uh, we 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 will tolerate like a, we don't see comedians as creepy because they they're constantly telling you what they're thinking and they just walk you through logic that makes you laugh. But a cr- a clown doesn't usually tell you a bunch of stories. They usually just do more physical, unpredictable things. Right, and they often involve you in those things. Uh huh. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're getting hit on the head with a squeaky hammer. Or you're getting a bucket of water thrown on you, or right. God knows, yeah. yeah. So, so no wonder you're afraid of that, because the unpredictability means you could be shamed, embarrassed, and, you know, exposed. But I think the unpredictability has also taken a more sinister tur- uh, turn since John Wayne Gacy and the Killer Clown. Yeah, now you could die. Because um, right away, if you were to, I haven't done this, but if you were to give a word association test to people and say, okay, clown, tell me as many things as come to your mind when you hear that term. I'm sure the word serial killer is going to pop up pretty quickly uh-huh. because that association is there in real life now and in the movies. And so 
you know, it's not too far from your consciousness when you see a clown. You, in ooh. fact, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, well, uh, ooh, there's a clown. What does that make me think of? Oh, it makes me think of John Wayne Gacy. And, you know, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, you brought up in your article, I mean, how Hollywood plays on this. Um, Pennywise, the clown from Stephen King's 1990 movie, It. Maybe the scariest movie clown of all. You brought up Killer Clowns from Outer Space in 88, Poltergeist, the clown under the doll under the bed, Zombie Clown in Zombieland, and All Hallows' Eve had the murderous clown. I mean, I guess Hollywood plays on that clown genre, which probably is is furthering the stigma. That's right. But I don't think that Hollywood created the stigma. No. They're just sort of giving people what they want. Yeah. They know that we're already predisposed to be creeped out by clowns. So if you want to make a movie with a creepy character, you're going to be ahead of the game by going with a clown rather than a florist or something. You mm-hmm. know, it's such. So oh, my heavens. Frank, you do some cool work. Um, okay, here's what I want to do. I want to take a break, come back, and then I want you to explain to us other characteristics of creepiness. What else makes us creepy because if you don't want to be a creepy person you need to know what makes creepy and i know you've come up with some different behaviors that might uh, be seen as exhibiting creepiness boy the clowns man (laughs) there's some that just they just want to make you smile that just you know want to make us smile uh, sad stuff. We'll take a break. More with Dr. Frank McAndrew. By the way, you can go to his website, frankmcandrew.com. Uh, get uh, some in-depth uh, information there as well about his teachings, his publications, everything he's doing. And you could read his blog there. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you understand creepiness and clowns and the connection. We'll be back. The clowns. Those daffy. Laffy Clowns. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're celebrating clowns. A little crusty clown for you. Again, uh, (laughs) boy, can he sing this song, though. Very popular song, Send in the Clowns. We are talking about what makes a clown creepy. And the interesting thing is it it may not be what you think. Um, It's... It's now all of a sudden seems more and more like it's becoming a, a thing of, you know, they're going to harm you. And now we're hearing spottings of clowns all over the country that are apparently trying to lure children and women into the woods. And, you know, by the way, pretty creepy. That's creepy. But uh, wouldn't it be important to know the real psychology behind what creeps you out? That's why we have Dr. Frank, Frank McAndrew on the phone with us. You can go to his website, frankmcandrew.com to get more information about his work. But he is, he's is he been on the show before. He is uh, one of my favorites uh, to read because he, he, he gets the real-life research that we need along with some answers into what actually, uh, in this case today, creeps us out. Dr. McAndrew is, a, is the Cornelia H. Dudley Professor of Psychology at Knox College and elected fellow of several professional organizations, including the Association for Psychological Science, and he is an evolutionary social psychologist. We appreciate you being here again, Frank. Thank you so much. Thank you. So when we talk about in your study, what I think you, you have worked with 700 people and you tried to figure out what what is creepy to them. Talk about how you did the study and then what are some of the characteristics that make people creepy? 
Well, we actually uh, had a larger sample than that. Oh, did you? Like, yeah, it was about thirteen or 1,400. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. And um, again, it's, it's all about predictability and following rules. And people who violate those rules can come across as creepy to us. And by creepy, I mean we're not sure whether they pose a threat to us or not. Somebody who clearly is threatening, you know, a mugger who steps out of the shadows and puts a gun in your face, yeah. that's terrifying. But you probably wouldn't use the word creepy yeah. because it's very clear what the danger is and what you need to do. But it's those situations that leave us unsure. We don't like uncertainty. And so people who don't follow rules uh, put us on our guard. So when it comes to being a creep, you uh, asked me earlier, what are some of the pointers that I could give to people? Yeah. The tough thing about that is um, the results of our study showed that people don't believe the creeps know that they're creepy. <laughs> yeah. And so if you aren't aware that you're a creep, you're not going to take any action to do anything about it. Um, if you were to ask somebody who the creep is at their office and they can't think of anybody. <laughs> they may be the creep. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So um, also men are more likely to be perceived as creeps because they are, in fact, more threatening, right? Right, Whether you're yeah. a man or a woman, you're going to be more worried about what a guy is up to than a woman. And um, our study showed that people don't necessarily think that creeps have bad intentions, that they're not like intentionally evil, but they might be dangerous anyway just because they don't know any better. Mm. So we've got to be on our guard against them. I mean, like an example I see is vans, like the the automobile, a van is is seen as creepy. It's kind of, oh, there's a van in the neighborhood. That's, Especially if it had, doesn't have any windows. Right. In it. But see, but a van with a mom and six kids in it, not so creepy. That's right. But a van parked on the side by a school with a guy sitting in there all by himself, that's kind of creepy. Yeah, so, so, but, yeah so, it is, because it's not clear why that guy's there yeah. or what he's up to. Yep. So we do need to kind of notice that if you happen to be working for the cable company and you're driving a van, you might want to know not to park by a school and sit there and loom over children. Or at least have the name of the cable company. Exactly. The van. <laughs> I mean, yep. anything you can do to become more predictable I, or even just like staring at somebody. I have a child. I have a son that we laugh at because he just will stare like he will like walk up to people and be 10 feet away and just stare at them. Well, and staring and eye contact in general is a, is a real important social cue yeah. because it's a signal that you intend something. Mm. And it can be a signal of something really, really bad, mm -hmm. like I'm about to murder you, but it can also be a signal of something really, really good. Uh, two people who are in love, for example, right. spend a lot of time in eye contact. What it really does is turn up the volume on whatever is going on in the interaction. So a lot of eye contact in a good situation makes it even better. Right. A lot of eye contact in a bad situation makes it even worse. But it's really the violation of the social rule, the social norm. That's right. And it can be, um, okay, there are certain things you just don't talk about in polite company mm. uh, with people you don't know well. So if you keep steering the conversation in the direction of peculiar sexual topics or... That's creepy. You're... You just don't understand how much to divulge or how um, close to stand to someone or mm -hmm. when you should laugh and when you shouldn't. Uh, the combination of those things can really set off creep detectors in the person you're talking to. Also, um, 
something that the press has made a lot more out of than they should have from our study is there were a lot of physical characteristics that we asked people if they're creepy or not. Mm-hmm. You know, does the person have some unusual body build or are their eyes popping out or are their fingers really long or is their hair weird? I don't think the physical things by themselves make a person creepy. But if the person is sending out a creepy vibe, the unusual physical characteristics can sort of magnify it hmm. and make the person seem even creepier. Yeah. And I guess that's, yeah, the intensity of it, like a tattoo could become even creepier if in the intensity or the long fingers if they're reaching for you. Yeah, um, yes, that's right. <laughs> it's, and, uh, it's so much perception, isn't it? And then once – but it almost seems like you, you're thinking something's creepy and then it, it might even make you start seeing things that are – or interpreting things that aren't even real. Oh, yeah. Um, psychologists call it top-down processing. You start – seeing what you expect to see. And um, if the person puts you on their guard to begin with is by being creepy, then everything's going to be interpreted from that perspective. Huh. Now, after you get to know somebody and you recognize, oh, this is just an awkward person. Yeah, he's quirky. Yeah, then that goes away. But if you don't know anything else about the person, and that's why um, letting people know things about what you do, like for hobbies, we ask people to just list creepy hobbies. And the same kinds of things kept popping up. Um, hobbies where you collect things, especially things that other people would avoid. <laughs> so if you are collecting insects and reptiles and mm. body parts like teeth and bones. Yeah. I was on a radio show uh, in Ireland and people were calling in and some woman called in and very innocently said that she had kept every toenail clipping she'd ever had in her uh. life. And she kept them in this big box. And was that creepy? Yeah. (laughs) I was was kind of speechless. (laughs) Yeah, talk about an icebreaker when you bring somebody over. Hey, I want to show you something. You want to see my toenail? (laughs) That is creepy. But isn't that funny? And, like, did she really not know it was creepy? Well, she obviously knew that there was something unusual about it. Yeah. But she didn't really get that. This crossed the unusual line. Yeah. I mean, that people would think, oh, they won't say, oh, isn't that interesting? <laughs> that is so – aren't people funny? Yeah. But, but it really is – there, there's a science to, I guess, to predictability. And, and as human social beings, we want to create the safest place we can. And anybody that goes outside of the safe space is going to turn on a radar. That's right. And they're exhausting because we spend a lot of cognitive effort keeping track of them in a way that we wouldn't have to Mm. if um, they were following the rules. So, you know, an hour with a creepy person is like a week with somebody else because of the energy that you have to use. Well, it's interesting. Do, do, Do teenage kids in an effort to get more attention try to be more creepy? Well, I think teenagers... Or um, others. I mean, it could be anybody. In order to get attention, you want to distinguish yourself. So I'm going to go carry a boa constrictor to the football game. Well, you want to distinguish yourself in a cool way. Yeah. And you want to distinguish yourself in the same way that other cool people do. So you're kind of conforming to a certain... It looks creepy to adults, perhaps. Mm -hmm. But that's not the intended audience. They're being cool to their peers. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. Interesting. Because I think it's just the opposite with teenagers. Um, the last thing you want to do is be a social outcast. Yeah, different. Rejected, yeah. Is, um, so this is why the clown thing's coming up now because 
you know, you're driving down the road and out of nowhere, an unpredictable clown appears. And I mean, that's what do you think's going on here? Is it just is it just people trying to freak people out? Well, um, there's a couple of different ways to answer that. First of all, the actual frequency of this happening is not nearly what it seems. Mm. Uh, it turns out most of these are hoaxes. So uh, people are making up stories. Kids are coming home with an overactive imagination, uh, freaking out because they think they saw a clown in the woods. And now the parent is going to yeah. err on the side of caution, right? Right. So they're going to believe the kid and say, "There's a, let's call the police. There's a clown out there. Um, but when the police have actually investigated these incidences, in most cases, there's nothing to it. It turns out to be totally fabricated. In the cases where there have been uh, actual clowns, it's just what you might expect. You've got young males um, out there horsing around trying to uh, impress their friends, and mm. there's not really a lot of killer clowns running around out there waiting to Right, kiss. right. I mean, but even if there's just 1%. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah. That's enough. Yep. And yet, and yet what's funny is that now everyone can prey on it, right, because there is the predictability of the predictability of the unpredictability. So it works. Clowns. If, if, I mean, if, if you want to scare somebody, show up in their house without them knowing and have a clown mask on. And you've pretty much that will do it. Accomplished yeah. your yeah. task. Yeah. Clowns uh, are creepier when they're out of context, too. So if you go to the circus and you see a clown or even a birthday party, you don't think anything of it. But, yeah, a clown standing in the fog by the side of the road in the middle of the night. That's a different story. So true. So true. All right. Well, Frank, we appreciate you. Uh, this is great insight, man. Great insight. And I will have you back. We'll just keep picking your brain on other crazy topics. Again, go to the website, frankmcandrew.com. Excellent, uh, excellent insight into what makes something creepy. And by the way, as part of the creepiness, I, I want to – we're doing a 12 scary movies before Halloween. Uh, it's a review by Jeff. Um, Simpson, our co-host here, and Jeff. Well, let's let's now go play your next pick for the the creepy, not always creepy, but scary, but a, a good Halloween movie. This is Jeff Simpson here with my next pick for the twelve days of Halloween movies. For the last few days, you've been listening to the lighter side of Halloween. We're going to keep things going with a song from one of my Halloween comedy favorites, the 1993 film Adam's Family Values. Oh, yeah, that was super chill. If the names Gomez, Morticia, Fester, Wednesday, and Pugsley don't ring a bell, how about this? I never watched the 60s sitcom on which this film is based, but as an 8-year-old, I was introduced to the 1991 film The Adams Family, and I remember loving Wednesday and Pugsley's fake, blood-filled, limb-slicing sword fight. Firm, I tell her then. As well as MC Hammer's work on the soundtrack. But IMO, the sequel, is the better film. The fun starts off with a big announcement from the matriarch of the family. Gomez. Caramia. Marvelous news. I'm going to have a baby. Right now. But not everyone in the family is happy about the new arrival. Children, why do you hate the baby? We don't hate him. We just want to play with him. Especially his head. Children, do you think we love the baby more than we love you? Yes. Do you think that when a new baby arrives, one of the other children has to die? Yes. Well, that's just not true. 
Not anymore. A common comedy formula involves placing people in settings where they clearly do not belong. In this case, that means placing dark and disturbed Wednesday and Pugsley in the care of the Chipper counselors at Camp Chippewa. In the secondary but still compellingly written role of Pocahontas, guess who we have in mind? Our own little brunette outcast, Wednesday Adams. Not surprisingly, they're there against their will and at the behest of their new nanny, Debbie, who's really a serial killer known as the Black Widow. Who plans to wed Uncle Fester, knock him off, and collect his massive inheritance? Oh, Fester, how much do you love me? With all my soul. Would you do anything for me? Anything. Would you die for me? Yes. Promise. Sure, the plot may sound a bit dark, but this film is really a family comedy with a touch of the macabre. Even Wednesday and Pugsley's attempts to get rid of their baby brother and Debbie's attempts to send Fester to an early grave are too much like bits out of a Roadrunner and Wiley e. Coyote cartoon to be taken seriously. It's the perfect film for those who'd rather laugh than shriek this Halloween. I'll be back tomorrow with my next pick for the 12 days of Halloween movies. Until then, see if you can listen to this song without snapping your fingers. Thanks for listening. Hey, folks! Halloween is upon us. In another week and a half, all the neighborhood kids will be out trick or treating, all dolled up in their beautiful little costumes. We love it; they love it. But deciding what kind of candy you're going to give out—that's the thing that、uh, makes it a really difficult time of year. Caitlin Thomas joins us this morning to talk about Halloween candy and what we should give out this year. Hello, Caitlin. Good morning. You f- you sound better. I s- I'm a little bit better. You you sound. You、More、did like, let me into the studio、yeah. today, so you, see, you. I think you're less infectious. We、up. did. We did do a few tests on you before you、we、came、did. in. He made me like I had to check my throat. That was weird. Yeah.、Um, we yeah we gave you your shots. Yeah, I did. It was all good. Matt so, Townsend gave me a flu shot. Yeah, it was really fun. I'm a doctor. <laughs> so what what candy do we need to buy this year? Okay. Well, do you ever remember being a kid, like the anticipation? Oh yeah. Of trick or treating. Oh yeah. And then did you ever go to a house that was like? Candy is bad for you, and they gave you like a toothbrush or yes, something. Yes, dentist. Okay, like ha- just the、Can't、disappointment. Right. We don't want to be those. Let、people. me ruin my own face. Let kids have one day. That's right. To eat candy, even the parents that don't normally let their kids eat candy, I get it, but it's Halloween. Let them. Let them lose. We're going to talk about. Just let them go. Yeah. Um, the ki- candy with the most sugar, though. That's、okay. what we want to look out for. Right. Nerds, pixie、oh. sticks, and fun dips. Oh yeah, but those are good. Pure sugar. Those are pure. That is just sugar. It's, it's just sugar. Of, it's just a、like、bag of sugar. Colored sugar, followed by candy corn, sweet tarts, and Skittles. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like candy corns. That that's what I want to talk about. This is the great candy corn debate. So there is this ABC News came out this map that found every state's favorite candy. Really? And there was five states who had candy corn. Really? Oregon, South Carolina, Tennessee, Tex, and Texas. Okay,、oh, only, we have four of them. So that's where they sell the most candy corn. Their favorite candy is candy corn. This is the great candy corn debate. Is there? I a, think candy corns gross. Well, it's actually. I mean, I'll eat them. Don't get me wrong. It's just sugar. 
It's just a sugar. But I eat like five, maybe four or five, and then I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Can't they double as candles too? Yeah, yeah. I bet if you can. put a wick in it, that thing will burn for years. Terry likes candy. Terry corn. loves them. In fact, he, that was Terry gave us that for Halloween last year. He each gave candy he gave us corn? one each. Like, do kids like candy corn? Because I don't think I don't think I would be very excited if I opened up my Halloween bucket and it was just candy corn. No, but if it was just candy corn, no. But if you eat candy corn before there's other candy. It's not bad. I feel like when you put candy corn in a kid's bucket, that's really giving candy to the parents. I think that's really what it you're kind getting. of is, isn't it? And it's like an it's like an older adult candy, loose candy corn, yeah, like what you find under your bed. Yeah. So, what other candies should we get? Well, if you live in Massachusetts, you should give Starbursts. Oh yeah. What that's about Utah? Favorite. What are we doing in Utah? Um, believe it or not, Utah's favorite candy is Nerds. Really? It's because yeah, we got a lot of little kids. Nerds. I yeah. want something more with chocolate. Chocolate's actually was on the bottom of the sugar list. Snickers. Alaska. Mm, a good Alaska. Alaska's favorite candy is Snickers. I'm moving to Alaska. So let's go trick or treating in Alaska. How about Kit Kat bars? Who who likes Kit Kat bars? Um, I don't know. Let's see if we can find. I don't see it. Oh, Montana. Oh, yes. there you go. Hey, can I just have one other little point here that's super important? Yes. Make sure you buy enough candy. Yeah, the, the houses that have to turn their lights off at yeah. like 8 o'clock. All right, not good. And if no. you want to be cool, make sure you buy the big candy bars. Because if, if you are the one that gives out the big candy bars, you are yes. instantly cool. See, if you want to be the favorite house in the neighborhood and you want to get the most trick-or-treaters to come back next year, yeah. the big candy bars. I remember an older lady in my neighborhood growing up used to give like mini popcorn bags. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or the mini like Capri Suns or the sodas. Mm. That's where it was at. Ooh, a mini like a Capri Sun because the they kids make, need like, something to drink Halloween on while it. they're on the road. Yeah, you can't eat those homemade candies anymore though. Like don't the, give out the homemade the candy; corn. the parents will no. take them away. Yeah, you can just go buy bags. And of... I don't think it's a good idea to be dressed as a clown when you answer the door this year. Yeah, we figured out that's creepy. That's creepy. But parents instead, aren't gonna so like instead, it. wear a hockey mask and carry around a. Check it out. We're gonna we're gonna put the map up on Twitter. Okay. Go find out where what your state's favorite candy is. Stock up on that. But yeah, make sure you buy enough candy. Yeah. Stack it. Come on, Don't stack be it that deep. House. Sell it cheap. Caitlin, thanks. Good job. Go check out our Twitter page at Doctor Matt Show. You can get all the uh, locations so you'll know what to buy for your state. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Hour number two. It's in the can. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome back to the program. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Happy day, uh, happy suspenders day. This is... Clowns wear suspenders. Oh, yeah, that's That's true. But see, suspenders aren't, they don't, they only keep your pants up. They're not scary. You could probably refashion them as some sort of slingshot. Are they creepy? It could be. Do do men that wear suspenders, are they creepy men? They're kind of odd at times. Can a, not, a guy not have some suspenders on? We talked last hour, if you missed it, about what makes a clown creepy. Mm. And we talked with a psychologist about the research. You'll want to go find that uh, that segment because, seriously, good learning. If you don't want to be creepy to others, 
quit staring at them. Yeah. Uh, don't stand too close. Yeah. And don't carry around a chainsaw. Or bottles of seltzer. <laughs> yeah. Don't hose them down <laughs> every chance you get. It's also Information Overload Day. It was established by a group of companies looking to bring awareness to what happens when you overload your employees and customers with too much information. That mm. idea is just the worst. That's right. We are destroying the productivity of our employees because, on average, they receive 93 emails a day. Combine that with all the social media that uh, is going on in our lives and the buzz of new text messages and website browsing and everything else you've got to get done. Are we, are, like, so just think about it. Do you, does your, at, in your workplace, do you send emails that don't matter? No. Right. I send about three a day, and they all are important. They really are. I send one a week. I stay out of the chains that happen around here when yeah. there are cookies in the lunchroom or there's a new seating chart or whatever. You try to avoid that yeah. so as not to get caught up in the frenzy and discussion around like a new seating chart. Or somebody says something funny and then nine people have to chime in with the reply all feature instead of just replying but to that person. You've got to be careful because you might then know you might not be part of the group and enjoy what is funny. About. I, think, I think I'll be successful without that knowledge. <laughs> if it's that funny, someone will tell me. That's not what they're saying while we're eating cookies. That's great. <laughs> so um, today's a big day, by the way. BYU Cougars will be playing the Broncos of Boise State tonight. Yes. The late game the on ESPN. It's more of the midnight game. It'll roll into Friday, so possibly. Which means tomorrow, I bet a, a bunch of our producers won't be here. They probably won't be here anyways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sadie, Sadie will be here. here because Sadie is a trooper. And Sadie, a polite golf clap for Sadie. Good job. That was Sadie's fan club. So we got a lot to talk about today. We will be getting into, in a few minutes, 12 productivity tips if you work at home. So if you're going to choose to work at home, Oof. there's some rules you got to have to yeah. make sure you stay productive. I would have a hard time working just from home. Because I think I'd watch a lot of Netflix. Hmm. I just would. I'd probably golf more. Yeah. You're distracted. You're home. Yeah. You're available. Why, why not? You know, nothing else to do except work. Except work. <laughs> <laughs> not good. So we'll be talking about that. Plus, we'll visit our good brethren at BYU Sports Nation, find out about the game tonight, and talk about what that will be on their show at the top of the hour. Plus, of course, the hero story of the day. And... Um, you got to watch out for mudslides, by the way, in Iceland, because mm. they may be caused by a really interesting culprit. Magic. Magic. Form of magic. A form of magic, yeah. yeah. Got to watch out. You thought clowns were scary. I'm, I'm going to let it out of the bag. Elves in Ke- Iceland. Like the Keebler elves? Yeah, except these guys they make are cookies creating or? havoc. Oh, okay. Different elves. Different elves. But great cookies. Hmm. But first, let's get to Sadie Nielsen and the headlines. Find out what's going on around the rest of the country. Sadie, what's up? A powerful natural gas explosion rocked a busy Portland, Oregon shopping district Wednesday, injuring eight people and igniting a fire that sent a huge plume of smoke over the heart of the city. 
Three firefighters, two police officers, and three civilians were hurt, and one of the firefighters was still in surgery late Wednesday for a broken leg, Fire Chief Mike Myers said at a news conference. None of the injuries appear to be life-threatening. T-Mobile has been fined millions of dollars by federal regulators who say the company misled customers about having unlimited data. T-Mobile touted an unlimited data plan, but the fine print showed that during busy times, the top 3% of data users temporarily have their network usage deprioritized, the Washington Post reports. The Federal Communications Commission announced Wednesday that it has received hundreds of complaints about T-Mobile from customers who said this policy rendered data service unusable for many hours each day and substantially limited their access to data. The Cleveland Indians managed to clinch a spot in the World Series on Wednesday, defeating the Toronto Blue Jays 3-0 in their fourth win of the Best of Seven American League Championship Series. Toronto only managed to win one game against the dominant team from Cleveland, which is now looking, forward, looking to follow up on the 2016 NBA Championship win by the Cavaliers that marked the first major sports title for the city in 52 years. And finally... Yes. Um, this is an interesting story. Canine members of an anti-poaching unit in Africa are reaching new heights after being taught to parachute into danger zones. So there's ah. these there are these dogs in South Africa. So they're pretty much like drug dogs, the ones that like attack drug people or drug lords, drug lords or stuff like that. Except they have been taught now to parachute out of helicopters and to parachute or repel with their trainers so that they can attack these poachers. And are, I, they, are they taught or are they just kind of no, hooked into a harness and they jump out there? These they guys have taught. no choice here. They are taught. <laughs> just along for the ride. They are taught. They, <laughs> need, right. they need to know how to handle the stress. Do, they do, are they, going pull, down do they pull their own cord? No. But that is probably coming up in the training process. Do they turn on the GoPro or does the, yeah. the, the owner yeah. do that? No, they, they actually can turn on the GoPro. Nice. These yeah. are some high-quality, high-functioning dogs. Yes. Yeah. But once they are released from their harnesses, they ferociously attack poachers. I watched a video of it. Really? It looked really scary. Here, are, I want to see that are they p- Are they pugs? No. These are German shepherds. Ah. Chihuahuas would be So they fierce. speak German. Yes. Oh, nice. And they sound very fierce when they speak. Get down! <laughs> Schnell! <laughs> I wish I knew more German. Me too. Uh, I haven't said a German word yet. Um, okay, so that's interesting. So basically, you've got these kind of special ops, black ops dogs. Yes. They're... Complete with goggles and puppy pads. I think they're called doggles. Doggles. Yes, that sounds about right. The... Special, like military special forces have been doing this for years. Yeah. You strap the dog up and run. But let's be very real. Um, These dogs aren't choosing this. No, they're just comfortable with it because they've done it before. They were born to a good litter. (laughs) What's that quote? Some have greatness thrust upon them. There you go. This is these dogs. Yeah, and some have it. Some are bred to jump out of plane. Bred in greatness. If I do this, I get a doggy biscuit. So let's go. Come on, guys. (laughs) That's cool. You know what? Uh, what what are, they have the movies where the dogs talk. Yeah, I, wouldn't it be great to have like a seri- like a special ops movie with just dogs that are all they do? It's called ops. Paw Patrol. It's a cartoon. You they, would know they, that they, they have their own cars. They have a big eighteen uh, wheeler that they use as their you, command center. Why do you know that? No, no, Because no. my son demands that I watch it with him. My daughter's going to be Sky for Halloween. There you go. She has a helicopter. Wow. Yeah. We are so uninformed on this, Matt. Yeah, seriously. 
I need to have more grandkids, I guess, and Sadie needs children, I guess. Jeez. Or you just uh, watch Nickelodeon. Let's, let's hold off on you that. You have the channel. Let's just listen to these guys. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Paw Patrol. Paw special, Patrol. Special ops. They all talk. It's great. They have backpacks with special tools. Okay, Sadie, I do want to see that video. Okay. Should we post it? I will post it on Twitter for your pleasure, <laughs> your viewing pleasure. <laughs> little violence never hurt anybody. Hold on. Actually, a little violence did hurt people. Mm. See? Doesn't it usually hurt people? Yeah, it always does. That's why we don't like it. So um, back to violence. Uh, what do you think about mudslides? I am squarely in the camp against mudslides. <clears throat> I am too. If you live, though, in a northern Iceland town. The Icelandic? I'm trying to find the name of the town. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, I may have taken it out because you can't say it. Well, yeah. A, a small Icelandic town was hit by a series of storms last summer. Construction workers clearing a roadway soon found themselves dodging mudslides and contending with flooded rivers. Crew member was injured when a bulldozer broke down. A TV reporter uh, who arrived to survey the damage sank into the mud pit wow. and had to be rescued. Clearing debris stretched uh, uh, into a 10-day ordeal. It was oh, that's quite- just the pits. Nice. The culprit locals uh, knew had to be had been the heavy rainfall, right? No, the culprit they believe were elves. Hmm. Oh well. Is that the sound of an elf? Yes. It's a mean elf. Turns out that construction workers had unwittingly dumped dirt on a rock that is special enough to have its own name in Icelandic folklore. Alfkunastein. Right. The rock even... Bless you. Or something close. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. The rock even has a backstory that involves a human, a fairy, and an enchanted elf cloth. When asked for comment, a spokesman for the Icelandic Road and Coastal Administration sent a four-page statement from a commission detailing its official stance on elves. (laughs) They just happen to have this ready to go. (laughs) It cannot be denied that the belief in supernatural is occasionally... The reason for local concerns. Yes. <laughs> it cannot be denied. Uh, but they are saying that if a certain location is thought to be cursed or inhabited by elves, then this must be considered a cultural treasure. Okay. So don't be putting dirt on the cultural treasure rock. Making the elves mad. And now the elves are ticked. Causing mudslides. That elf that is, that's a yeah. mean elf. Yeah. A carnivorous elf. I mean, that's a bad elf. We've seen good elves. My favorite elf mm. was Buddy. Yeah, he was a good elf. I mean, Buddy would never hurt anybody. But then you got Fang there. <laughs> that's a scary elf. I didn't know. Now we got elf issues mm-hmm. and clown issues and jester issues. Jester issues. And Trump. He's more of an orange issue. Yeah. I wonder what branch of uh, – or like – I don't know what you call it. It's not elves. I mean he's not an elf. No, he's not an elf. He's not a dwarf. He's not some sort of – He's not any – he's just Trump. He's his own own breed. He kind of borderlines like troll but not really. (laughs) There's no bridge to live under. No, he's a decent man. He just – it's the orange thing that throws people. 
That's, yeah, that's what throws people about Donald Trump. But some people think that that's just spray tan. It possibly is. It it's could not be. like he wasn't born that. Color. He could have a tanning bed in his airplane. He probably ate way too many carrots. Good point. That Maybe that's happen. what it is. Yeah. No, in high school, we had a lot of girls turn orange, mm. which is not that attractive. Um, speaking of babies, earlier we were talking about your cute kids make you watch dog Goofy shows. shows. Yeah. Um, Paw Patrol. In Japan, they now have a baby robot that has been unveiled to help childless couples have something to take care of. Oh, nice. Yeah. Instead of maybe having a kid. Yeah. Or like in in the U.S., if you don't have a kid, you might buy a dog. Okay. Right? Uh, But a baby robot designed to invoke an emotional connection has been unveiled in Japan where plummeting birth rates have left many couples without children. Hmm. The Kirobo Mini, it's called, was created by Toyota's non-automotive department. That's so it's, good. It's like having a, a Prius. Well, it's the non-automotive department. Yeah. So, so it's a Prius without wheels. Yeah. A smaller, so you can cuddle True. with it. Right. Um, and it's equipped with an artificial intelligence and a camera, so it can recognize the face of the person that's speaking to it. I think we have some of the audio from the robot baby. Oh, do we? Let's yeah. hear that. My name is Talking Tina, and you better be. Talkie Tina, and I don't think I like you. Talkie Tina? My name is Talkie Tina, and I'm going to kill you. Whoa. Talkie Tina is violent. Yeah. Don't cross her. I don't think I'd name her Talkie Tina. That's, a, that's kind of an annoying name. Uh, Talkie Tina wobbles a bit, and the wobbling is meant to emulate a seated baby, which hasn't fully developed the skills to balance itself. Hmm. Or it's the precursor to her freaking out. <laughs> Leaning over for a knife. Look, Mommy, I found this knife. <laughs> so I guess in Japan, you buy this little Dog, robot. Robot thing. And yeah. the vulnerability, then, then it wobbles for you. And it's, it's meant to invoke an emotional connection. Hmm. It's meant to make you more emotionally close to it. I was emotionally impacted by those sounds that we just heard from her were you but you were scared that's a different emotion i think they're they were going for like oh love you well they failed yeah <laughs> they didn't achieve well the minute she's like i'm going to harm you yeah that's i think where you turn her off hmm. that's where you turn off talkie tina toyota plans to sell the Corobo mini which blinks its eyes and speaks with a baby-like high-pitched voice like we just heard Guess how much it costs. What would you pay for a cuddly, yummy, yum yum, warm, huggy robot? Twenty. 20- oh, sorry. Twenty-four thousand? <laughs> no. Wow. Not even close. How about you, Terry? How much would you pay for a Taki Tina? I don't know. What would the going price be? I would say three hundred yen. Or 390 U.S. dollars. Say what? No, sorry, $39,000 yen. Oh, okay. 39,000 yen or $390 in U.S. Uh, 390 bucks. 390 bucks. So $400. On, man. So it's less than a phone. But it comes with a cradle. Hmm. And, oh, it, right. and the cradle, by the way, doubles as a baby seat. Okay. Well, I mean, there's a bargain there. Let me just point out one more thing as a doctor. Um, if Japan is trying to fix its uh, childless rate, 
a little advice for you. Okay. I wouldn't replace children with little mini robots and make them super cuddly because now what you're going to do is these moms that wanted to be moms but instead now have a robot baby, they're probably not going to want to be moms now. Because they have a ro- robot baby. They have a baby. robot baby. Sure. So Makes if, sense. If Japan if, – because they are. They're worried about you know being able to repopulate. So do they need a robot surrogate? What they might need – is they might want to get a robot that is a that I guess could be cuddly like that, but about every three days, it does something really dangerous <laughs> that makes you realize you can't trust that robot baby. Just as long as the head doesn't spin, then yeah. that's fine. No, like maybe it just maybe it just you know shocks the mother once in a while. Like, that sounds violent. You don't have to shock the mother, but. Something that keeps the mother thinking, eh, I think I want a baby. Babies are so much better than robot babies. <sighs> it's hard to help everybody, but I'm glad we just helped Japan. Doing what we can, folks, on the show. When we come back, we will help you figure out if you're going to be a stay-at-home employee and work at home while you're still taking care of your family, you're going to have to have some productivity tips. We'll be talking with an expert how to stay productive at home. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Taking on the role of mom or dad can require a lot of time and effort. It becomes a new way of life. Parents always want to give the best to their kids, and sometimes they feel that means sacrificing their own life ambitions, but that isn't always the case. While it does require more time management and effort, balancing working from home and being a parent can be done. Today, joining us to talk about it is Nicole Carpenter, founder of Mom uh, MomEntity.com, a blog and online community for overwhelmed mothers. And she's going to teach us 12 tips so that we can work at home and still be productive. Nicole Carpenter, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Matt. This Glad is a to be here. cool topic. Um, so many moms working from home, and yet I, I personally don't know how they do it. I don't know how you watch your kids. My brain doesn't work that way. I would end up either you know, t- completely ignoring my children or completely ignoring my work. Yeah, it's hard and it's frustrating. It's possible, but it it can be really frustrating. And you mentioned, I mean, it really takes some focus and some discipline, but you you also give us some some tools through this. What are the biggest obstacles that that make it hard to work and and be at home with the family? You know, there're probably different obstacles depending on how old your children are. Um, the ones that are the most time sensitive are for those of us that have the little kids mm. because little kids needs always seem urgent, right? Even <laughs> yeah. If, even if they're not. They do. They, they, and, and they make, they, they put them on you, right? They, they push them yeah. onto you. Yeah. So that's always a challenge. If you've got little children that don't quite understand the concept of mom is at work or dad is at work, even though they're still at home. So that's always a challenge. And then uh, time in general, like like understanding our, our schedule and when we're actually going to get the work done, 
Uh, that's that's a challenge. But even the moms that I talk to that don't have little kids at home, they can get so distracted mm. when they take a break for lunch and then see the dishes in the sink and then choose to cycle the laundry. And sometimes before you know it, an hour or two have gone by. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, if somebody's been diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, is this even possible? I think so. I don't think that anybody has to check the box that says, oh, that's not for me. Can't I think do it. That, yeah, I think working at home is possible for everyone. But even the most organized person needs to take a proactive approach mm-hmm. and go into it with a game plan. Mm. Does it, um, I mean, I a lot of times I hear so many times, even my wife has said it, she'd give anything to leave the house and go to work and be able to to leave I mean, I guess that's part of it. Is that a downside to being uh, to working from home is that you many times you don't ever get to leave? Uh, I w- <laughs> there are days where I would agree with your wife, where I look at my husband who leaves and goes to work and I think, oh, man, so what lucky. I would give. And mostly it's because of like the time to yourself in that car and uh, that commute. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's not even getting out per se. It's just you probably never get a chance to be alone. The minute you even go to the restroom – you have little fingers reaching under the door. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I'm in a little different position now because my youngest, a set of twins, they're in kindergarten. Mm. So I at least have a couple hours a day now where I do feel like I get that time to myself. But for those that work at home and don't get that time, that's one of the biggest sacrifices, Yeah, I think, is that, that time to yourself through a commute or the adult interaction mm-hmm. with coworkers. Oh, yeah. And it's also just seems to me that this is it's a really interesting paradox because there's such a great payoff to be able to earn money at home and yet still raise your family that it's worth probably trying to fight through some of these harder issues to find yeah. some real solutions. I agree. I absolutely agree. That's powerful. And I think I think the first thing that can help those that are choosing to work from home or at least going to give it a a noble effort is to create a legitimate schedule. Even, like I said, even those that don't have the children at home, you've got to be able to separate when you're going to be the working you and when you're going to be the home manager and when you're going to be, you know, mom or wife Mm. or dad or husband. You've got to block these out. Uh, These are your different roles. It's only three of the different roles that you probably have. You could have many. But you've got to figure out when am I each of these different people? You know, when do I wear these hats? And how is that going to look in my daily schedule? And you use the word legitimate because – I've seen when I was getting a doctorate that I created a schedule and there was nothing legitimate about it. Like it yeah. was me being super um, positive and it wasn't realistic. <laughs> and it was, yeah. I was so optimistic that I'm thinking – and I sold myself on it. I sold my committee. I sold my wife. I sold everybody on this optimistic, not legitimate schedule and then you pay for it. Yeah. Yeah, so many moms I work with, they think, oh, well, I'll just wake up at 5 a.m. and and then I'll stay up late. And they have all these ambitious, mm-hmm. ambitious goals. But the truth is that you've got to be honest. And you, if you really are going to wake up at 5 a.m. every morning and stay up late every night to get your work done, that might last three days. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And so I guess part of that is – so create the schedule, you say. Make sure your roles are in their mom, spouse, uh, employee – 
And um, I mean, too, you want to feel good about the fact that you're putting in the right amount of time. If you say you're going to work 20 hours, you want right. to be sure you're working your 20 hours. You don't want to all of a sudden, you know, start lying to make a living. Right. Absolutely. You and and so many people that work from home, many of them are on that honor code. Mm. So you've got to be honest with your hours. That's powerful. So that's your first rule. Another rule you give us is separate roles with blocks of time. Right. Well, that's how we make this legitimate schedule happen. We decide, well, if I'm if I'm going to get the kids off to school, it's going to happen at this time. If I'm going to shower, well, when is that going to happen? And then when am I going to work? And you have to actually look at your schedule and actually break it down into these blocks, if mm. you will. Yeah. So so really then it's it's just like the real world, right? When your kids go away to preschool or to kindergarten, you now mm-hmm. know, okay, bada boom, bada bing, I got four hours or three hours and then, yeah. and then you, uh, you, you block that time off. Do you actually put it on your planner, or is that just known? No, I do. Uh, I love using Google Calendar. iCalendar does the same thing, too, for those people that like Apple devices. Mm-hmm. I create what's called a master calendar, and it would be like that ideal calendar, right, that you were talking about? Yeah. And I have it in a different color. So I, I go through my day, and it, it's actually in yellow. That's one of my favorite colors. So I have this master calendar in yellow, and then I try to match the things that I schedule up to that calendar. Huh. I, I love that, too, because if I were married to you, then I could check your schedule, and I probably ought not be interrupting you during your work. Yeah, that would be helpful. That'd be <laughs> so nice, my, right? My real schedule is in red. Yeah. So, yeah. And actually, I do share it with my husband so he can see the real stuff is in red, the ideal stuff is in yellow, and then I know if I'm scheduling a marketing call or a running errands, I know what time of the day and what time of the week I try to schedule those. Mm. You can't always, you know, doctor isn't always available on, for a doctor's appointment when you have it slotted for Thursdays. Right. You, sometimes you have to be flexible. But that's how I try to block these, these roles out mm. in my schedule. That's really good. And then you suggest make sure we have a designated workplace uh, in the house where we can, I guess, leave the work even and preferably – uh, that space should have a door <laughs> yeah. to keep the elves yeah. out. So I just barely moved a couple of months ago. Um, but before that, for years, my office was a desk along the back wall in my family room. And that go. that was possible, but it was tricky. And whenever I needed to do an interview like this or talk with a client... I locked myself in my laundry room with my back up against the door so that the kids couldn't come in. And that makes for a tricky work environment. Oh, yeah. That's hard because then, yeah, you're never just able to kind of work. You have to work until it's noisy, then move to make your call, then go back to get yes. your information, and then go move again to write your papers. And, oh. It's, yeah. So it really, I guess it depends on the job you're doing, but you're going to have to get that creative, it sounds like. Yeah, and and if you're like me and it's not an option, then you just get creative. And I would do a lot of things on clipboards, so I'd put a lot of my important papers on a clipboard. So when the kids started to fight and, and my phone rang and it was important and I had to answer it, I'd grab the clipboard and I'd run to the laundry room or I'd run to my closet 
So it is possible, but I have to tell you now in, in my new house with an office, I feel like I have made it because I've have got you? doors. <laughs> now you got doors and the kids can, they, I guess too, we'll get, we'll get to more of your points in a minute, but you also have to kind of train the kids up. So yeah. one of the points you made earlier or later in your article is you tell them when you're going to work, mom's going to work now. So can I get you, what do you need before I go? And yeah. I'm going to be working for two hours in the office. Yep. I did that just this morning. Doors will be closed. I won't be available. Who needs more for breakfast, you know? There you go. And then then you make it happen. Okay, well, stick with us, Nicole. We're talking with Nicole Carpenter from momentity.com, a great website. Uh, seriously, go check it out, momentity.com. It's, uh, it's a tool to help you in so many different ways. One of the things we're talking about today is to give you 12 productivity tips for working at home parents. Interesting stuff. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the best you can be. We'll be right back. Mother knows best. Listen to your mother. It's a scary world out there. Mother knows best. One way or another, something will go wrong. I swear. Welcome back, friends. Mother does know best. Don't mess. That's uh, Mother Knows Best from Tangled. Um, and uh, joining us on the phone, Nicole Carpenter from momentity.com. And we are talking today about the uh, the tools, the productivity tips you need. If you are going to be a stay-at-home or a work-at-home parent and try to still be a parent while you're working at home, you, you seriously need some, some skills, some tools. And uh, Nicole's bringing us some of those. Thanks again, Nicole, for being with us today. My pleasure. One of the things you talked about uh, in your in your paper is um, keep a notebook close to you. And if all of a sudden you need to be interrupted by the kids, write down some thoughts. What thoughts should we write down in the notebook if we're being interrupted? Well, one of the hardest things when you're working at home is to break away from, from what you're doing. And many of us were good at, at multitasking, but the problem is that you stop what you're doing Go help your kids, and you're glad that you can, but then when you come back to what you're doing, it takes 15 minutes to figure out where you left off, mm. and then you get five minutes worth of work done before the interruption happens again, and that can be exhausting. So if you keep a notebook handy, you can write down maybe what you were working on and what you had planned to do next mm. or the next step after that, and that notebook can just kind of help make that time back into work less. I love that. And because it's almost like just plan on interruption, right? And if you if you know you're going to be interrupted, then create a system to maximize getting back at it. Yeah. You bring up a really cool point about changing out of your pajamas. Now, to me, I thought that was one of the great things about working at home was you could work in your pajamas. Well, you know, it is. And there are mornings that I do. But if you're going to be working at home consistently every single day, I think it can bring so much to the table if you get ready for the day. Yeah. Shower, get dressed, be ready. Yeah. Hey, but you can still wear slippers. <laughs> That's great. And um, I guess in the in the end of this you you kind of got to know you. I mean, I, I know if I don't kind of shower early and I'm home riding, then I, it's pretty good odds that I'd make it through three quarters of the day without getting ready. Right. Absolutely. And you don't want to be showering, you know, right before your spouse get home, gets home. Then they always wonder what you've been doing all day. 
Right. And for those that have been listening the whole segment, that goes back to that master calendar, mm-hmm. or that, that schedule we talked about. So if you miss your shower time and then you do get a break, but it's lunchtime and you choose to shower, then you're going to miss lunch. And you see how that has like a ripple effect throughout mm-hmm. the rest of your schedule. Yeah. Talk about um, some other ways to get help might be hiring it or swapping it out with your swapping the kids mm-hmm. out. Yeah. I mean, if you can afford to hire help, then absolutely that could be a great way to go, whether it's help with somebody to do some of the home manager chores or even help maybe run carpool after school if if you're still working during that after school time slot. Um, When I was writing my book and I had manuscript deadlines that had to happen, uh, at the time we were on a year-round track. So I hired a sixth grader who was off track to come and stay with my my little kiddos who were still at home. And I pretended like I I went away uh, and just buckled down to get that manuscript done. But that's not always an option for everyone. Right, right. But, I mean, there's you can't do everything, right? And so sometimes even though you're making money and you think, I don't want to pay somebody, but you might – I mean, it might be worth your sanity to to pay somebody to come watch the kids or to come clean just so you can work. Yeah. And swap some and of that out. it might out. be cost-effective, and it might not. Right. And maybe maybe somebody full-time is great for you. Maybe once a week would be helpful. Only you can answer that question. Mm. You mm. know, I, I can't answer that question for the listeners today, but I do know that that's not always an option. And so when it isn't, then sometimes you have to get creative. Yeah. And a, a kid swap is a good way to do that. Oh, I've tried to swap my kids out for years. Permanently, uh, I think I think I'm, I think we mean something different um, about about a kid. Yeah, I'm not talking about the permanent. Oh, of a kid okay. Now I get you, Nicole. Now I get yeah. you. One of the cool things too, as we wrap it up, I thought um, is getting your kids. You got to you got to sell your kids on why we're doing this, so that and, and involve them. There's kind of two points you made about that. How do I sell my kids on why I'm working at home and how do I involve them in making this more successful? Right. Well, you know, we're talking about this last, but truthfully, this needs to be one of the first things that happens, right? Right. Because this is a prerequisite to everything else that we've talked about today. So our children, the younger they are, the harder this is for them to understand they don't understand that you're still working even when you're at home. And we might be on our phone really working, and they might just think we're playing Angry Birds. So we need to explain to our kids what it is that we're doing and then why it is that we're doing it. And we have to use kid language. Like, what is this going to to do for them? Is it uh, taking them – are you taking them to Disneyland with the extra money? Is this providing um, birthday money or Christmas money, how is this affecting them? And is there a reward in it for them? Mm. That's a great idea. And then, look, Mama's going to work for Disney. Mama's going to work yeah. for the trip. Let's all yeah. do this it together. Yeah, so much better. And if you've got little kids, I love to have like uh, a cupboard or a box of working toys. So when you do go to work, then they get to play with these special things. Mm that are only available when you're working. That would be for the little tiny kids. Yeah. No, that's a great way. And then if you're doing it as a team, then you can you can say, okay, as mommy goes to work, 
the older ones need to kind of watch the younger ones and make it a whole team effort, and that's how we all get to go together on the trips or to right, Disneyland. That's right, great. and then this doubles back to that schedule. Yeah. So this makes it so much easier when you say, this is mommy working time right now. And remember, we're going to go on the swings right after lunch hmm. or vice versa. Maybe your time with your kids is in the morning and you work in the afternoon. But if you're very clear about these blocks of time and your kids know that, they will understand that they need to give you time right now because their time is coming. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, Nicole, I think it's great stuff. And it's very basic, but yet very real and practical. And you can get more information from Nicole on her website, Mom Entity by Nicole Carpenter, and just go check it out. You can read her blog, get her support tools there as well, or even contact Nicole if you want her to come speak to your group. Interesting, interesting stuff. I'm telling you. You can make it work. You just got to work it. This is, uh, this, is, this is why we do the show, to give you these tools. Let's take a break, come back, visit our good brethren at BYU Sports Nation, find out about the game tonight with BYU and Boise State. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. This is the uh, songs on the planet Mars, uh, the the wonderful um, song from about the solar system. And we'll talk about Mars in a minute. But first, let's get down to another planet with Jerem and Brian uh, Logan, BYU Sports Nation gang. How are you, gentlemen? What's up? What's up? Man. Hey, we're playing the Mars song. Do you guys know why? For sports. because it's National Mars no, Day. No, no. Of the Mars Project. No. Oh, kind of. Elon yes. Musk, what? Yao Ming was picked by China to be their ambassador to Mars. Oh, that's nice. Hmm. And Good. so I want... <laughs> Good for them. Can you see Yao Ming getting in a spacesuit and then into like a space capsule and flying to Mars? Uh, it, had to, it had to be like a custom made one. Right? Yeah, right. Maybe Jim Fredette, who plays for Yao Ming's team mm. that he owns. So I just got the Shanghai the Martian. Now they rebranded. They're not the Sharks. There's something else. So which basketball player should be the uh, should be the United States of America's ambassador to Mars? Brian knows. Brian. Uh, so I wasn't paying attention. Repeat the question. Uh, which? <laughs> which? I, was at, I was looking at Jerem. <laughs> don't <laughs> ever at Brian. <laughs> don't ever trust Jerem's toss. Um, so which basketball player? from the United States, should be our ambassador to Mars. LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron That's a great idea. LeBron. <laughs> Maybe Monta Ellis. LeBron James. Who's Monta Ellis? Doesn't matter. Okay. LeBron James. I like how you say that, Brian. Yeah, it's the... It's a that, famous vine. Yeah, it's from that little, the little black kid. Okay. This little kid goes, LeBron James. And LeBron. now it's coming like from that goes. famous big black kid. <laughs> Are you referring to me? I'm referring five, to you six, being a big stud. Being five six and you know. Yeah, but you're not a kid. You're did, a you, did you know that Brian Logan is five six, but his wingspan is six five? <laughs> this is true. And he wears eleven and a half size shoes. No, does he really? That's crazy, right? Do you really? Yeah. Pretty yeah. wild. My hands are. I wear extra large. I don't too. see. Are you really five six? No. Well, okay. According to the NFL scouts, I'm five five and a half. Seriously? Mm-hmm. I think you, you're much bigger than that to me. Well, you easily are five. Personality is six nine. That's no, really, what, that's what it is. The personality. It's really my mouth. It's your good mouth, looks. My mouth is six nine. Yeah, <laughs> man, your mouth is huge. Right. It's it's just, it, won't, it won't. It won't stop moving. It's awesome. 
It's awesome. Hey, guys, um, Cleveland Indians in the World Series. Believe land. What is that about? How come they get an NBA championship and they get to the World Series in the same year? They're the new Boston. They're the new Boston for a year? Sometimes, for a year. Sometimes, hey, you it's know, going well, right? The, yeah. The, the, sometimes the karma just doesn't, I mean, the karma doesn't really like to. For a city. Yeah, it is, yeah. They sometimes deserve it, it, right? They've needed karma. They've yeah. needed something good. Yeah, yeah, they're in Cleveland. They've needed this. It's it's bad. So you know, it comes back around. It's just the, the rubber band effect. One way or another, you get comes back to you. Yeah. So. Plus, it hurts when it whips you. Sometimes yes. that rubber band breaks. <laughs> well, don't be you negative. Just never have anything good happen <laughs> hey, to tonight. Your are you guys ready for tonight? What's going on? Uh, oh, game day, baby. Game day. Talk to me. You so at ready. Boise State on a Thursday. Uh. Spencer Linton is in <laughs> Boise. Boise. What is he? Get it right. With a Z. <laughs> Get it right. Everyone from Boise is like, it's Boise! Boise Come on! Boise, man! Hey, bro! Uh, we'll go live uh, to Spencer Linton. We'll yeah. ask him how the nightlife was uh, in Boise last night. Yeah. Body, body, body. As well as the, <laughs> as well as the uh, Boise State play-by-play. Bob Beeler, uh, he's been on the show before. So, big game. Uh, the Broncos are 14th in the country. Uh, they're 6-0. and Oh. Uh, BYU, 4-3, and but battle-tested. Three-game yes. win streak. So, this is a big game. It's on ESPN. Yeah, and uh, countdown to kickoffs live at nine Eastern time tonight. We'll get you ready on BYU Sports Nation and countdown to kickoff. Yeah, you guys, I'm about to be with Jerem like all day. Yeah, uh, B- Brian's going to be here all day. This is going to be great. How yeah. cool is that? Are they going to for Brian? It's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is great. I'm just going to follow Jerem around like a little puppy. Are they going to bring food? Are they bringing food in? Oh, we always, well, the food will be at uh, kickoff. Yeah, for yeah. our crew, except for if you like, if your wife is pregnant, then it's bad for. Yeah, oh, hard to eat food. If so. your wife's pregnant, she can come eat. <laughs> Dude, if my wife is pregnant, we got bigger problems. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That was that's such an inside joke. Okay, good. I acted like everybody knew it. Yeah. Is, is, is someone? Are, are we making an announcement? Jokes. I'd love to be on the inside of one one day. <laughs> is someone's is someone's wife pregnant? No. No. Okay, no. okay I understand. How about this though? For a fun fact, so. Brian Logan, yeah, David Nixon, and Spencer Linton. Okay, yeah, there are there are three guys on the uh, desk at home. All three of them have two kids under the age of five, mm-hmm. and all three have two boys. <gasps> Pretty random, right? Very think, random. You know, I think Spencer's. Uh, so our last our last sons, um, I think mine and Spencer's are two months apart, and then David is three months from my son. How cool! Apart. So they cool. were. We all experienced. You know, the, together, the together, yes, yeah, everything. So it's like, talking about there, unity. Bro. Everyone's Plus, like, "Hey, go have a kid and have it a boy." Don't and, you guys share yeah. clothes too? Don't uh, maybe Spencer and um, <laughs> considering all three are different body types. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. no, probably not. No, yeah, it's kind of weird I, to share. David clothes. Nixon's muscly NFL six three. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. two hundred something. And I'm like at the like baby gap. No, so. you're not. <laughs> Shut up! That's not true. I'm Brian Logan. I'm with the Baby Gap. Uh, yeah, c- you, where's your extra, extra large section, please, Baby Gap? What is it Kids in uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? Yeah, Andy Samberg's character. That's like a baby. He just dresses in a diaper. Oh yeah, that's Brian Logan. Yeah. <laughs> is that what Bri- I saw? Brian Bronco, wearing that Bronco diaper. Says I'm, I'm Squirt on um, Finding Nemo. <laughs> The turtle, you, the turtle's son. <laughs> yeah. By the way, but you no, you pull off a diaper like very few can, Brian. Um, so shave, you'll do. see that tonight on Countdown to Kickoff. Anything else on the show we need to know? Because it's Our you're just a few minutes picks. away. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're two. Yeah. Picks. Spencer will weigh in. Brian's going to weigh in today. Okay. Cool. And Brian's yeah. one of his has to do with Spencer. Oh really? So tune in to see what that. Okay. Is. Cool. And um, who's winning the two pick game? Spencer's up one on me. Okay. And this is Brian's first participation. 
I believe so. I think I I think I did one a while ago. Okay, you're, you're one and one all time. I'm one, one and one. Did, okay. Yeah, yeah. One yeah. win, one loss. I think I had all an time. easy. So one you have though. a higher winning percentage than we do. Hmm. Mm. See, that's what so happens do, when baby. you don't play that's as much. Volume's yeah. low. But. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> all right, gentlemen. Right. Well, it's going to be a party. I can already tell. Have a great show. Thank you. Knock him dead. See ya. See ya later, Bugatti. Yeah, you know, game day. These guys, man, they get it. They get the life. They get to hang out all day, they get to work all night, and they get free food. I'm kind of glad that when, you know, when, when noon Eastern rolls around, we're done. Then I just, hit the, I just hit the nap. Well, don't forget there is going to be free food in the break room at 11. You keep bringing that up. Must be hungry. Must be hungry. Um, so – one of the things that we, as you know, like to do on the show, we, we always do hero stories, but we also want to keep you just up to date on uh, life and on living, right? And it's not, it's not easy. It's not an easy job that we have. Um, I'm not sure that I brought this up yet. Did I talk to you guys about the park of, that has now been taken over in um, Bangkok by lizards? No. Terrifying, terrifying. On CNN, they're reporting that there is a – it's a reptilian park that the park has now been invaded by lizards like Gila monster – like Gila monsters kind Wait, of size where lizards. did you say this was again? In Bangkok, Thailand. Isn't that where Godzilla resides? Oh, don't go there. So how many Godzillas are there? Well, I thought there was only one because it's not Godzilla's. But it sounds like there are multiple. Yeah, there are multiple. Huge reptilian intruders taking over Lumpini Park in Bangkok. And these are, I mean, these are like big Gila monsters. monsters. So do you take your kid to the park anymore? So when your kids are like, Mommy, can we go to the park? You're like, uh, yeah, go with your dad. Apparently, um, they're running out of food in the park because park goers won't go anymore. And uh, now they have to send in trappers that can go in and catch these huge, huge lizards. The lizards actually can be about four feet long at times. And you got to watch out because, you know, you think, oh, well, I'll chop off his tail. That'll slow him down. Yeah. But they can grow him back. No, I hate it. There's nothing worse than when you grab a Gila monster by the tail. And then they just drop their tail and run away. Then you're just sitting there with a huge – I mean there's video. We'll put it up on my Twitter page. L- literally, a, the tail is about three feet long. They look like little alligators and people are running around the park and these lizards are walking slow. I guess they don't run fast. So you, it's not like you can't outrun them. <laughs> um, it's just that they are reptiles. I mean it's dinosaurs. So uh, watch out for that. As you know, we want to end with a hero story. Here's our hero. A hero is a five-year-old saves his two-year-old brother after a deadly crash. Five-year-old boy is called a hero after pulling his two-year-old brother from a fiery wreck that killed their father. According to KPRC, um, the boys were riding in an 18-wheel moving truck with their father shortly after 1 a.m. on Friday on, in uh, Houston. When the truck hit the guardrail and a pillar and flipped over, it's unclear what caused their father to lose control. 
Both the five-year-old and his father were ejected from the truck, which burst into flames. The five-year-old somehow escaped without any serious injury. He went back to the burning truck and pulled his younger brother to safety. The New York Daily News reports he's a trooper. Sergeant James Roque tells KPRC he helped us out uh, a lot to piece together what happened in the accident. The boy did. And uh, the boy's mother was 